And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, on this Monday. The brackets are out, and we are ready for some NCAA tournaments. If you got any questions, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on our live simulcasts, thanks to Blue Frame Technology. They are Hoopsville or Facebook.com slash D3 Hoopsville. They are also YouTube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. So Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. They're on the bottom of your screen. If you happen to be watching us on our our Huddle Blue Frame technology, and thanks to Team One Sports, where you can watch the show, either it's on Amazon Fire, Roku, it could be on your Apple TV, any way uh, you could be watching this lovely mug on your big screen. Uh, lots to talk about in the tournaments. Lots of questions to be answered as well. Certainly got to get through some things. And we'll be happy to do so on this show. A couple of notes. We'll bring in our quote-unquote experts, at least friends of the show. We like to call our friends of the show the experts. Come in, react to the show, react to the, uh, what we saw uh, today. We'll give you some insight, by the way, on some other things. But give you an idea of the men's and women's brackets and what we see, what we love, maybe what we'd love to see tweaked. And listen, at some point, we are maybe splitting some hairs. Uh, we'll also hear from both committee chairs. At this point, Megan Wilson looks like she'll come on at about 8.15, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time when she's done traveling back. And Sarah Quadraki will come on after that same thing when she's done traveling. Both of them were in Indianapolis this uh, correct, uh, excuse me, this uh, weekend and are working their way back. A couple of housekeeping notes. NCA.com has updated the women's regional rankings and data sheets. So they are on the screen or on the uh, system for everybody. I noticed the men have not been, admittedly, because Sarah was traveling and I couldn't get a hold of others, and I didn't try the whole committee. Uh, I have I haven't harassed about that, but we will try and do so here. So the men's ra- regional rankings, the data sheets are updated on the men's side. I do know that much, uh, but the regional rankings are not there. The women's looks like all of it is now there, so that is good to see. Glad that's been done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, again, we got our brackets out. Uh, listen. <laughs> first blush second blush third blush there's a lot to like i know there's people who are frustrated with some teams that got in or didn't get in we were 19 of 20 on both men and women that's not bad listen i would love to hit 20 out of 20 and we have done so we have hit every single one in the past actually i think we hit it when it was 21 or 22 in fact but it was tough it was tough for different reasons on the men's and women's side interestingly enough on the women's side and i'm being very simple here the team we chose versus the team they chose came down to a win-loss percentage. Warburg had a great win-loss percentage. Uh, we talked ourselves out of it because of their 1-6 versus regionally ranked opponents, so I, I should look at that data to confirm that, um, and talked ourselves out of it. Uh, interesting enough, and I mentioned it last night, a few years ago, we had a similar situation where we went with the team with a more rounded uh, resume, and the committee went with a win-loss. Again, I don't think... Warburg is just a win-loss uh, resume, and we'll talk with Megan Wilson about that coming up. But I did find it a little bit uh, uh, interesting. On the men's side, we predicted Utica last year would make the tournament, or at least most of the committee did, um, and Utica did not. We did not predict Utica would make it this year, and Utica did. So Utica fans, I'm just saying, while you remain in Division Three still at this point, which we're thrilled about, I guess you want us to think you won't make it, and then you'll be in the tournament, uh, or that or go win your AQ. 
either one will will work but there you go lots of uh it was interesting um give you a little tidbit behind the scenes um sorry about that um we had a bit of a day trying to get the brackets out you have to understand the window for us to get these done and us being brendan gulick myself and the production crew in indianapolis is tiny um i believe the deadline to get the brackets to everybody is 10 a.m we got the men's at i want to say about 9 30 eastern time we then were planning to record at 11 30 now remember nobody in the production has seen a thing so graphics people have to put all the graphics together video people have to find the video that they want to use Again, I just want to point out the Top 16 show had more video of the teams than the NCA show. That's not a knock at our NCA production team. I just want to thank all the SIDs who helped us out two weeks ago. Um, and then Brendan's got to finish his scripts, and i got to work on mine. And as I was talking to my family today, it's amazing how every year I try something different with the way I prep my notes, and it never works. And I spent a chunk of time last night and this morning writing notes because I don't know the matchup. So I'm just trying to put down notes about every team to talk about that, considering Brendan's going to say the same thing. And I should really react to the bracket. And there's just not enough time. Anyway, fast forward, 1130, sitting in the chair, ready to go. There's a delay. There's a problem with apparently some of the equipment behind the scenes. I think the closed captioning system. Long story short, I don't know when we started, but it was closer to noon for a bracket that's coming out at one and then brendan and i went a little long admittedly i don't know how long we went until it came out because i wasn't paying that close attention except that i knew we were running a little heavy and so we were trying to tighten things him and i um what i didn't know then was when they went to ship it out the door basically to turner they encode it they put the closed captioning system and all apparently things went sideways i don't know all the details um they apparently then got it to Turner, and then I think Turner had some issues on their end is what I'm guessing, but I'm not positive. From what I'm hearing, we were very close to redoing the entire men's show, and to some degree, I don't think I would have minded that. Um, there's an element of this in my production world that wishes we would just do these live, but I appreciate that things like closed captioning, maybe they're not set up for live. You can be set up for live, they're not set up for life. But apparently Turner has to re-encode and all. My point is the window is too small to pull this off. What's the remedy? I don't know. Without it getting rid of these shows. And I think the shows should stay. One idea I have I know isn't going to be well liked by some of our friends. And that's get rid of Sunday games. Let the committee work on Sunday so that they're done by Sunday night. So that the production crew can even work Sunday night and then Monday morning we could record it and have plenty of time to make a one o'clock window. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be my preference. So have all the games done on Saturday so the committee can finish their work on Sunday. Production can work on Sunday evening. Brendan and I can have plenty of time to dive into what we need to dive into and we're ready to go the next day. I didn't get a chance to look at the women's bracket until I was done recording the men's bracket. And we had, what, an hour until we were recording the women's show? So, yeah. There's no blame for the committee. I don't think this is a Turner blame. 
I think there were just a lot of technical issues because of a short window that came into play that just caused a snowball effect. And having worked in production for as many years as I have, and you have seen it on this show, sometimes things just snowball. To the point that I tested the system again today for this show to make sure our system works the way it's set up. And according to the test, it works just fine, but it didn't want to work last night. So, again... I know there's frustration that the men's show got pushed back an hour. I know there's frustration that the women's show got pushed back a little bit as well. This is not the committee's fault. This is not, in this case, Turner's fault necessarily. I think we got to figure out, you know, the committee technically was done pretty late last night. Production crew, though, still didn't get a a look at those brackets till 930 Maybe there's got to be some, I I know the committee wants to wake up and and look at those and make sure they made the right decisions. Maybe there has to be an element of this. Give them the bracket, let them get to work. And if there does need to be a change, you just alert to the change. And then we make the adjustment on our end. That's a lot easier than waiting for a full bracket that's perfect and having an hour and a half, if you're lucky, to pull it all together. I've worked in production a long time. We will go on the air with breaking news very quickly with very little resources. But a half-hour, 6 p.m. news show takes all day to produce. And when there's breaking news, it blows up. But there's 100 people there to help put it together. And I'm exaggerating a little bit. We're asking to do this in an hour and a half. So just, I, I know there was some frustration. I don't, I think the blame was pointed in the wrong direction. And some of the blame was on myself let's be honest you know maybe brett and i talked a little too long i couldn't tell it did it felt good until i was getting pressure to go faster uh and as a result we missed teams and i and i apologize i missed mentioning teams i i absolutely blew it on the keen state pod i was so frustrated you should have seen me i was i was turning my mic off and saying a few choice words because I'd absolutely forgot to mention Keen, which is why I went back and did it, which is kind of dorky. And it snowballed into the women's show. The women's show uh, did not go well. At one point, my mic was muted, which is why you didn't hear me talk about the Transylvania pod. Uh, But the crew handled it tremendously well. So just a bad day. And I apologize, everybody. Anything I screwed up, I think at one point I mentioned that Shriner uh, got the ASC crown. I thought I said SCAC. But apparently I said ASC, I'm told. Um, not sure where that came from because SCAC was in my head. Um, anyway, I apologize. I, I have a very high standard for what I do, as you probably saw from the Top 16 program. And I don't think I lived up to it. And then on top of that, we had some challenges on you know on top of challenges. So it is what it is. I apologize again. Um, we'll hope to do it better next time. And I hope we can find a way to do it better. Um, from that experience so there you go uh if you got questions for us you can tweet us at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville email us etc see there's some comments in the youtube page our blazer bobcat fan from albany georgia is tuning in thank you sir mark uh, straff said elmer's university just missed first time listening dave i found my new love d3 hoops mark well welcome in glad you had it yep elmer's just missed out unfortunately just uh, as bob said on the show last night great resume other than that win-loss percentage and yes the win-loss percentage was uh, comparable to rochester but rochester's strength of schedule and results versus regionally ranked opponents were sky high and compared to elmer so elmer's just kind of eliminated themselves there 
Uh, Daryl, I don't know what the problem was with your, your uh, audio with us last night. Everybody else but you could hear us. <laughs> don't know what to tell you, my man, but I'm glad you can hear us today. Yep, Whitworth, congratulations to them on getting the automatic bid and getting to the NCAA tournament. Um, can we just discuss how much of a joke it is that Guilford get left out? Well, let's start first and let's let's talk about what we talked about last night, and we'll talk more about it with the crew. Guilford's in the tournament, among with a lot of others, including WPI, probably. If one significant thing didn't happen this past week, and that was a ton of upsets, and we've warned about this over the years, that that's always a potential with a parody out there. And so we had anywhere from 8 to 10, roughly, bid thieves. So let's consider that. Let's say we, we had eight bid thieves, okay? Eight, eight AQs that went to schools that had no chance at all of being in this NCAA tournament. None. Those thieves t- put together a scenario where we're picking teams at 18 that we would have been picking at 10. And so teams that we would have been picking at 18 were way off the radar. And we said it at the end of last night's show. We had win-loss percentages last year at the final table of 60%. We had win-loss percentages at the table this year of 80 and 70%. So yes, Guilford got left out in part because there were so many upsets, like Shriner winning the AQ out of the SCAC conference. When you go in, or Albertus Magnus winning it out of the, the GNAC. When you realize that, that's our first that's our first point. We already had a very tight window to get at large teams in that deserved it, and we knew good teams were going to be left out. Now, to the larger point of why Guilford got left out when looking at others, this is the Rochester conversation, and I said it last night, I'll say it again, I think we need to understand that the strength of schedule is having too strong a conversation. That is not a knock at Rochester. They went out there and played really good teams, but they only won 64% of the game, 16 and 9 and I admit, 17 and 8 looks very different, but even then, I th- I'm a little skeptical at 17 and 8, but it's better. It's also a better resume. But, but we have an issue where a lot of schools cannot schedule 620, 630 SOSs. We also should probably take a look. To, does, the, does the multiplication of home and away on the men's side really need to be around anymore. We have gotten to a point where coaches understand they need to be out of their home. They got to play on the road too and not just play at home. I think we don't need to have that weighted measure in men's basketball anymore. And I think that played a, maybe plays a role. I have to ask our, our math guys on that. But most importantly, I think we have to have a conversation that there is at some point a got to be a bell curve. At some point, an SOS off the radar, high or low, just can't be pulling in either direction. And that goes with our Lancaster Bible conversation in 2016, which is a little bit of what Barry dealt with this year, except the difference with Barry is they had more losses in Lancaster Bible potentially where he's going to have. We were talking about one loss for, for Lancaster Bible. Barry had three, at least, if not four. And there's got to be a point where these metrics at some point can't 
pull the weight in either direction. They, they just stop, whether that's called a Mendoza line or something. I don't know what the right term is. But at some point, we got to say, okay, great, they've got all those, but it's unmeasurable at this point. Like, it's too much. We can't sit here and just keep pulling and pulling and pulling and dragging a team that's, I'm going to be extreme here, 500 into the conversation because their SOS is so darn high. At some point, we just have to say, okay, the SOS is great, but it can't pull any further. And that's comparable to that .03 to 2 game measure that turned into .06 to 4 to .09 to 6 games at some point. And finally, people at the NCAA slapped back and said, enough, you've gone too far. We'll see. Listen, these metrics evolve. The committees change. I think last year, and we said it on the air, I don't think, this, I don't think Rochester gets in in last year's committee. And maybe Guilford then does. Uh, I also think the South region was really tough this year. I really do. Um, it's I, I get the frustration in Guilford. I, I really do. I do wish Guilford would challenge themselves just a tad more, to be honest. Their brethren in the in the ODAC seem to be able to get a couple more tough games on their schedules than Guilford has seemed to. I'd like to see Guilford get one or two more. But again, I think the bigger story here is the fact that we had eight to ten bed thieves. And so the benchmark, the, the line where we probably would have been at, at making tough decisions was much higher. Much higher up than we're used to. And I think that's that's a significant factor in all this. I think Guilford's in in a normal year. Rochester's probably in too. WPI is probably in. Well, lacrosse is probably in. Utica's obviously in. Claremont Mud Scripps is probably in. All of those at the table, I think a good majority of them are, are in this NCAA tournament if we didn't have so many bubble bursting bid thieves. Because I think that was a major factor this time around. And we've talked about it in years past and it's never materialized. It absolutely materialized this year. So, just a thought. I mean, think about it. If Marietta had upset Mount Union, that's another bid thief. Like, we were taking teams off the top who were, who were sure bet AQs. We certainly thought St. Joseph's would get in. We thought Oshkosh would win the AQ. You know, there were three teams from the WIAC because Whitewater won. I don't think Whitewater gets in otherwise. So, it's not a joke. Are there things we need to just have hard discussions about and maybe um, massage a little bit better? Absolutely. But that's a yearly conversation. But let's let's start with the conversation that, that the benchmark moved because so many teams got beat. And, uh, and that's a huge factor. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get the guys in to join us and talk about all of this and see what their thoughts are. Maybe I'm on my own left field on this i don't think i am i think maybe some of it makes sense but what do i know uh sometimes i've i'm literally in my own world but we'll see what they might have to say about it uh before i take a break i just realized that one of our new ads is not in the system so bear with me while i add it appropriately to where it needs to be um you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios thanks to our partners at sports tours international and, of course, also our friends at the WBCA and NABC. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, 
But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And welcome back, everybody, as we are on Brackets Breakdown Special here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, or youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Uh, Ryan Daly says, I think Tufts has a chance to surprise people on the men's side, and I think they can go deep on the women's. I don't know if there's going to be a surprise on the men's side. We'll get opinions on that in a moment. Eric says, I totally agree, Dave, with the SOS being such a huge factor, and that sometimes needs to change. Something needs to change. Well, we'll see. I'm a WAC, MIAC, and UMAC guy, and not all teams can schedule huge SOS teams. Fair. No matter the SOS RRO criteria, I stand by thinking Rochester getting in is an absolute nonsense. Okay, Travis, I get it. Everybody's got their opinions on it, including our crew of Misfit Toys. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Well, we'll try it anyway. Joining us on the uh, Huddle Hops Hoopsville Hotline, and I'm hoping this is working correctly because I worked hard this afternoon. Other than putting my head through a wall after the brackets were uh, shows were done, I worked hard to get this to work. Joining us here, uh, let's see, across the top it is Riley Zayas, Bob Quillman, Scott Peterson, and Pat Coleman. I'm David Q. Welcome in, everybody. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Uh-oh. Did it again. 
bear with me. I might, I might be able to actually fix this quickly. Because it was working earlier. Oh yes, we don't have audio here. That's my problem. There we go. How are you guys doing? Oh, are you kidding? It doesn't like me today after I tested it and everything. This is, so here's a great example of the tech issues that we used, that I had on the show. So we're gonna change this to that. And hopefully, guys, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you so. And now everybody can hear you. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, everyone was I, so sad. I just thought maybe we would do a very good lip reading segment of the show. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> I just realized there is one thing I forgot to do. I had some great reactions to run, but I was so interested in people who are already messaging us. We will do so when we're done with our group. We'll run that a little bit later in the program. Great reactions from schools who either knew they were clinched and figuring out where they were going or on the uh, on some of the chances, they didn't know they were getting in. We got some reactions from teams like Warburg and stuff who got into the uh, I love those the most. Um, all right, guys. First and foremost, I'll say this. 19 out of 20 on both. Not really bad, considering how difficult they are. I know we all want to achieve perfection. We've done it on a couple of occasions. But, I mean, we went in pretty much going, man, if we nail both of these, whoo, we're playing with fire. Um, so in the, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not disappointed. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, Dave, we don't have the home court advantage here, right? right. The NCAA right. committees have the home court advantage. <laughs> they can do whatever they they could for all we know, look at our list at the end of the night and go, ha, what? You're kidding me. <laughs> UW lacrosse? No. Totally Utica. I mean, you know, the, the fact that we have ever gotten them all right is something that we should all be super happy about. And I will say this, too. I mean, there was a time not all that long ago where I think we missed five one year on the women's side, which was yeah. semi, semi-embarrassing, frankly. Um, but I just kudos to everybody who has stepped up as we have retooled that and we've gotten new people in to have those conversations and those conversations are much smarter and the women's committee has evolved as well uh they're making i think decisions that are probably this group would consider smarter um but I i'm very happy this uh i'm very happy with 18 out of 19 women pool c's 19 out of 20 for the men 95 percent is an a a solid a i'm very happy on, on the men's side i feel like you know we had, we must have had the right order uh, because Rochester had to have gotten in for Utica to get picked. So it means like we put Rochester in at at 19, I think, and then Utica hits the board. So we were playing in the right place. I think we had the exact right final board. We had probably the same conversation the committee had and uh, it could have gone different ways. I, I don't really have any problem with them picking Utica. When I look at the resume, I, I just look at it and say, I get it, totally get it. It's a great resume, it really is. So uh, I, I think we did a good job last night. We missed one and it's really hard to get all 20. I'd be super happy if Utica went out and won an automatic bid next time around. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And if that's in November it. for football, I'd be even happier. Let's, uh, you know. We miss them in football, too, so there you go. Uh, you were just trying to make up for the officials' uh, call in that one, uh, or lack thereof. 
Oh, oh, did I? Oh, I went there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Scott and Riley, I'm curious your takes on it because I know you two worked really hard. I don't know if you're disappointed or not. Admittedly, it came down to maybe diving into those numbers a little bit more. That one in six, I'm told, was not as bad as we, we kind of spun it off. Yeah, I, this was a spot where, I mean, I'm very happy with 18 and 19 pool sees because I think we had limited information to go on. When you see the regional rankings, each region is ranked compared to the teams only in their region. There's often lots of common and head-to-head going on, and it's hard to know exactly how the committee is valuing that stuff. We see top 16s, so we can see those teams relative to each other. But, for example, Eau Claire and Oshkosh were below that top 16 mark, and I didn't know how close they were in the region. And it turns out that Eau Claire going 2-1 and one in the final week, including adding a win VRO, and Oshkosh, Oshkosh going 1-1 one and one was enough to move Eau Claire ahead, which weakened Macon's resume because that win over Oshkosh was over a Region 4 instead of a Region 3. But I, I, I am fascinated that they did not view that Wardenburg 1-6 that bad because almost everyone else that got picked Pool C had at least three wins with you know, solid ones. And sure, Warburg beat a two, but one and six is not usually what you're you're looking for from what I was seeing. I think it's that the fact, and I said this on the men's show, I didn't say it on the women's show. When you're looking at the one and six, you are talking about who they played. You know, and even losses do get considered to some degree. It's about the only place losses do get considered if you think about it. Um, and I think that may have played a role. We'll learn from Megan maybe a little bit better coming up because I don't want to quote her at all because the conversation I had earlier definitely was not a quotable one um, because I wasn't all that <laughs> focused on making it a quotable one. Um, Riley, but your thoughts they, on it? Oh, go, oh, go they, ahead, even for War- Yeah, Even for Warburg, you can look at and see that 584 SOS among the highest at the table, but if it's largely built on the backs of six losses <laughs> to good teams... Oh, it's fair. like it's not you know Megan yeah. said it's not a scheduling contest so they went out and scheduled a bunch of teams and then lost to most of them I don't know how much you know credit you want to put in that but at the same time you can't ignore the SOS that it was a standout at the table you can't pick into it right and say like well Final three for that 19th pool C pick was because we said, well, the one in six versus ROs isn't going to work. And apparently, it didn't have that much of an effect um, to get the committee to go in the direction of Warburg versus, versus Randolph Macon, who we had uh, for our 19th pool C. Sorry, folks. Uh, it was just one of those things that made me go look at the data sheet right now and make sure that the committee agreed that uh, Warburg was one in six. But yeah, you guys were working from the right data. The committee agrees Warburg was one and six. That's all six of their losses. That's, um, you know, 20 and 0 against non-regionally ranked opponents and one and six against everybody else. Yeah, I wonder if that had something to do with it too. You know, their six losses were ranked. I don't know, we'll, we'll learn more. And listen, to be honest, at that point we were splitting hairs to begin with. And- 100%. Yeah. 
Um, and, and granted, the women didn't have as many losses as the men. And Bob, I just said it on air. I don't know if you heard it, you know, complaining about Rochester <clears throat> not getting in. There's an element here that Rochester, not Rochester, sorry, Guilford not getting in. There's an element here that they didn't get in, thanks in part to the fact that there was absolute carnage and our and our line rose in terms of teams uh, that would normally get in, I think, are shooing in a normal year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand that because people are thinking about the top 25 poll. You know, well, that too, yeah. They're, they're, I think someone said they're the highest top 25 team to not make the tournament. So that's what people's opinion is. Now, criteria-wise, right. I mean, look, those of us on the show last night, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how this works, and none of us made a strong case for Guilford. No. You know, their resume was 786, 551, and two RRO wins. And and neither of the two was something you're going to jump up and down about. So Guilford didn't get in because of the carnage, like you said. Um, I just don't – look, real real basketball. If we're picking teams to go play real basketball games, Guilford, to me, is a top – 20 team in the country but that's not how it works it's not even close to that their resume in the criteria it was not anything more than an end of the bubble in this process an end of the bubble 50 50 kind of thing uh you talked about the ranking thing right it's that capital team from 2002 the one that lost to otterbein three times and then otterbein went on to win the national championship uh, Capital entered that NCAA tournament. Well, didn't enter the NCAA tournament. Ended its season, ended regular season at number 14. That was in a, like a 48-team or a 50-team bracket even. Way fewer at-large bids to even be considered at that point. So even though all of those things you said, nonetheless, for Guilford not to be included here, rightly or wrongly, I think we all agree there's a reason why they weren't in. It is nonetheless pretty historic. Yeah, I think with um, it's important that we try to anchor people's opinions on this stuff as much as we can to the criteria. And a lot of times that's impossible, right? Because people are emotional and yeah. their team didn't get in. And I totally, totally get that. So we're, I, I, we're all objective in this. Like we don't, you know, we don't have any, anything at stake and there's data such as this, like someone said on Twitter, winning games has to matter. It doesn't seem like winning games matters. Here, here's some real numbers that that I just uh, that I just dug up. These are real numbers. In the last six seasons, there have been roughly 120 pool C's and B's. 120. Three have been sub six six seven. Rochester this year, Lacrosse in 19, and Oshkosh in 17. Um, this year. Look, or uh, Rochester set two Pool C records. Uh, not that we keep records. I happen to keep records. <laughs> their 630 is the highest in the process, and their 10 RRO wins is matched only by Illinois Wesleyan last year. You're not. That, you're you're not counting the, results for. You're not counting once ranked, always ranked. Because that year we had something like. No, the 10 is the the 10. I have six years of data, Dave. There's no one that's ever had a 10 except Illinois Wesleyan last year, but that was when we were ranking way too many teams. It's an asterisk. Yeah. So here's my point with all this is, 
yeah, was this Rochester thing a crazy ass deal? Yeah, but there is a side to it that you have to consider, which is their resume was unique and had some like jump off the page numbers that we guessed they'd put in and they they put in. It's not as crazy as some people want to make it out to be. And it doesn't mean that they don't count winning for 98%, 98% of all pool C's in the last six years have been six, six, seven or higher. Yeah, it's essentially a line. I am perfectly happy for there not to be a hard and fast line that can never be, you know, that can never be, uh, you know, crossed over. Um, the, where we at, where we are at right now is, is perfectly fine with me. Uh, we're making a big deal out of, you know, 640 versus 721. win makes a huge amount of difference in that winning percentage when you got 25 games or, you know, when you're that far down the list, maybe. I'm not, uh, I'm not too concerned about it. I, my only regret is that you guys talked for 26 minutes about this last night. I went out and made a sandwich. I came back, and it did not occur to me. I could just jump on the Zoom call and try to, uh, try to reset you guys. And I thought, that's on me. I'll take that. You did a nice job of that. Take the L there. It's funny that the Rochester women ended up with a 640 winning percentage themselves with a standout SOS and VRO, but just not as strong as the men and were never really considered because of that. Well, I think that's where you have the difference in the, in the committees where they've ebbed and they've flowed. And I think mm-hmm. there's a, a valid argument to be had that I think last year's men's committee probably wouldn't have taken Rochester as seriously. Good if they took him at 680. Rochester got in last oh, year at 680. Yes. No, 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 no. Absolutely. Yep. No, I've made that point. I said I, it's interesting how a game can make a difference there. Um, but and I, I mean, Brandeis did not. Brandeis was left on the table, and they were at fifteen and ten. Yeah. <clears throat> that was so. This right. is Rochester's right in the middle of those two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just think my point on that, and then I'll let it go, is just simply, it's not like this happens every year. Oh no, fair. You know, I, yeah. I think people are reacting to this as well. They just threw winning percentage out the window. There's no history of that. There's been three sub six six sevens in six years. I don't have any further back data than that, but I'm sure the numbers look the same. Every now and then, there's just one of these unicorn resumes that come up at the right time. And we have to acknowledge that Rochester did have two eye-popping numbers out of the five primary criteria. So it's not as crazy as some are making out to be, is all I'm saying. And a head-to-head win against Worcester. Yeah. Yeah, at Worcester, and then Worcester was on the right. So, yeah. Um, I am, um, and again, I think we had a perfect storm, too, that, you know, the benchmark, our line where we had to stop was probably eight schools before we normally would. Like, if we had had two bid thieves, we're going six deeper. And I think yeah. Guilford's in. And I think WPI might be in. And I think lacrosse might be in. Claremont might scripts might be in. Absolutely. So, Western. yeah, that that line had a significant impact on how this all played out because we couldn't go where we normally would, or the committee either, for that matter. 
We had two of those that happened in the final hours yeah, of the season. Too. So yeah. Oshkosh and St. Joe on Sunday, those two, yeah. those two were bubble bursters. So there's two teams, whether you want to make it Worcester and Lacrosse or CMS and Guilford, that's two. And now we can go to Saturday and start to count things up. Uh, St. Thomas, uh, th- those kind of laws. So sure, I mean, this was a unique year and teams that didn't make it this year, mostly has to do with all all the upsets there in the conference tournaments right yeah no it's interesting so i'm curious you guys from your take now we've seen the brackets um uh, let's start on the women's side just because it's the most you know it was in and they should have gone first today anyway because we gave away all the all the stuff we needed to have um i really was excited looking at the women's bracket because they really showed some creativity. They got some great ideas. I, I even got excited doing the recording because it kind of it dawned on me as I was talking with Brendan Gulick. Greensboro is playing NYU at Messiah. Yeah. You know, we don't tend to get that kind of interesting matchup. I know it doesn't sound great. Oh, it's a South region. Still, because NYU is not able to host, they could find somebody in the middle. They could bring two schools to, to that point and get creative with it. Oshkosh and Washington and Lee, for goodness sake. That's a great one. It's a great matchup. You do not see these things, uh, but it's you know it's within the 500-mile radius in each direction of Ohio Northern, so I was super happy that they did that. I feel like we have been projecting those things for women's basketball for several years and not gotten to see the, those things come to fruition, so I'm super happy to see it this time around. Gettysburg's playing New Paltz at Babson. Yep. Again, it's another door. Yeah, it just, Riley, your thoughts. I know you you haven't had as many years as all of us, but you're you've dove in deep on this stuff. What are your I've thoughts? tried, Dave. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the ones that that you guys haven't mentioned yet that kind of did stick out to me. I really like the fact that they got Milliken to Transylvania. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that was a very very good yeah. good one, especially because. You have that Emory Milliken first round matchup, and then you could have a Transylvania Milliken second round matchup, yeah. which isn't generally what we're going to see on the first weekend in that Transylvania pod. So I, I thought that was a very kind of creative way of, of doing things. I did. I thought the committee did a nice job of creating some very good matchups, protecting some of the top seeds, mm-hmm. but also you know giving us some interesting matchups that don't keep everyone just in a very close regional proximity. Yeah. I think Dave, in the past, in past years, you have had the women's committee chair on your on this show after the selections, and you know that person has come out and basically said we didn't want to send people too far in a bus. It's like I think you're that you're missing out on part of the essential NCAA tournament experience by going and playing somebody else, right? You know, you could have Johns Hopkins against E Town or something. That's not super. That's not super fun to me. Uh, Johns Hopkins against Skidmore, super random. Uh, you know all the other things we talked about Baldwin Wallace against Wartburg uh, lots of lots of great matchups here and I, I love to see this group use the map where's the other one I just spotted not that I just spotted it but I, I forgot about it oh you got Whitman to fly to Chicago they'll take on Eau Claire while Chicago is hosting uh, Northwestern it's not hugely creative but you get a chance to make that happen um, Rhode Island's going to take on Rowan that's not too bad where was Marietta, oh, Connecticut. Right. Good one. Ohio Wesleyan Gustavus. Another one. 
They're sending Berea to Loris. Uh, and by the way, both men's and women's pods upper right regarding Christopher Newport. I was floored. Both of them have Texas parked in those in those larger pods. Both it, of it, them have creativity there. If Chalk holds in that Christopher Newport women's quadrant, none of the four can bust to any of the nope. four. And and I just I didn't think that that would be a possibility. But that is that was just about the only scenario to guarantee Christopher Newport a sectional host should they get there. And maybe it's even not guaranteed with the men. Um, but but women's your that, chance to give Texas a host, frankly. Right. I was going to say men get the yeah. priority and the men's pod, it's actually the lower, right? I apologize. The men's pod, and we'll talk more about the men in a moment, has that Texas group. It also has other, uh, and nobody can get to anybody in that grouping. So both committees have Christopher Newport in a spot where they have flexibility, first off, protect them second, and third, anybody could host. So let's it just also say- creates drama around the um, the matchup between yeah. Christopher Newport and Hampton Sydney on the men's side. Good point. Christopher Newport is the higher seed. Hampton Sydney gets a freebie host. If if Hampton Sydney comes out of there, and they're one of the four teams, and the other three are chalk, Hampton Sydney could end up hosting because I was looking at that. Someone can get there. Um, that's a, I mean, Emory can get there, which is why it's there in the first place. That's a, yeah. They're they're sneakily a little southern in Virginia. It uh, creates drama around that matchup, and like you said, Dave, and on the men's side, that lower right, yeah, it'd be three flights. Yeah. If if Chalk holds and it's Christopher Newport, and Mary Harden Baylor or St. Thomas Texas, and uh, or any yeah, of the Texas, yeah, Pomona Pitts. I mean. It's flights. I, I love the fact that they were able to do that. Yeah. That seems pretty cool to me. And and um go ahead. I was just gonna say I know we sort of drifted past the, the top right women's uh, quadrant no. for a second, but I wanted to uh, get Gordon Mann's voice into here. It's not a particularly unique take. I think a lot of people have said this, but that's a pretty brutal part of the bracket as well. If you if you have chalk come out of there and it's Christopher Newport, Hope, Trinity, and Tufts. You know, that's often a really good Final Four, let alone a round of 16. No, you're right. It is brutal. It's brutal as far as the basketball teams go. As far as their NCAA resumes, it is very fairly balanced with the other quadrants. Sure. True. And what's really... Go ahead. I think the Smith quadrant is the easiest, and I think they're the number one overall seed. And I like giving them the easiest road. Yeah, they try to. What's interesting, too, is that they all could, as we said, they might maybe go to Texas with it. And then they're going to go to Trinity, the winners, just to try and come back to Texas. They could drive back to Texas. There's plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time. They'll two weeks. Sightsee on the way back. Or like Whitman did on the men's side the year they won in Marietta. They just stayed on the East Coast. I remember walking up to Eric Bridgeland after the game. I said, what's your plans? He goes, oh, we're going to head back. I'm like, you're not. He goes, yeah. I said, why don't you just stay here a couple days? And, like, the light bulb went off, and they ended up staying. And George Fox women did the same thing. They had a a sectional at Hope, and then the championship was at Hope, and they just stayed. Right. Hey, let's pivot. That's cheaper, too. It's much cheaper. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Let's pivot back to the men um, on this bracket. Uh, There were so many things. First off, they flew both Sky East. 
Um, I'm a little leery that they went all the way to the East Coast. I don't know if there's going to be any br- uh, pushback on that. I mean, I'm, I like it from a bracketing standpoint. I like it from a matchup standpoint. But I'm very conscious that it is a West to East decision there for both teams. Right. All three coast teams. to coast. It's coast to coast, and that is a big deal. Yeah. Like when we were when we were mock bracketing last night, Ryan and uh, Scott and I were very cognizant of that. It's like so we sent, uh, I believe, in our mock bracket, we sent California teams to Ohio. That seemed like a reasonable uh, alternative. Obviously, it's cool to see Cal Lou at Rowan, and it's cool to see Pomona Pitzer at St. Joe's. Those are awesome things. That is a big wear and tear on a student athlete, and it's a lot of time spent in airplanes and I was trying to cut an hour and a half or whatever off of each of those flights. Um, that's one thing that I think previous committees have talked about and have learned and have maybe uh, decided not to, maybe decided not to do anymore, but that's the sort of uh, institutional knowledge that uh, gets lost because people, you know, roll off of the committee after four years, five years, six years. Um. I will My add, anyway. I don't know if anybody picked up on it. I know I did when I was looking at it and said it on air. Whitworth's flying <laughs> to Swarthmore. That was the 2020 match. They almost got on their plane. I thought, I, I just kind of chuckled to myself, went, oh, that's, I don't know if there's anybody on the committee who remembered that. Because if they did, that's a nice little ode to the 2020 season there. Um, Another thing that's uh, cool about the men's bracket. You know, it, over the years, it's always been a challenge because there's been so many teams in the, like, what's now the region eight, seven, eight, nine area to, to, and, and there still are. But if you look at the top seeds, this is really a heavily East Coast influenced bracket as it should be by the seeds. So if you take a look at the men's bracket, the overall number one seed is Randolph Macon. Um, the overall number two seed is Swarthmore. Um, uh, on the back on the other side, I believe it's Rowan and Christopher Newport. If I'm reading the bracket right, the way they're slotted, I believe Christopher Newport, Rowan, Randolph Macon, and Swarthmore. Yeah, so like that is a unique thing to have the brackets set up that way. Usually, you know, you would have one of these things that would say, you know, UW Stevens Point or Augustana <laughs> or something like that, and there are. If you look at it, there's plenty of that in there. You, you've, but how cool is it that like Wheaton, the champion of the CCIW, can play St. Joe of Connecticut yeah. in the Sweet 16? Yeah. So they had to, um, we've been talking about this a while, the challenge of this bracket was all, uh, all the powers that are in the East. It, I'm not saying all of the powers in the East. But you're finally admitting it. <laughs> it's heavily influenced in the East, so they had to get creative yeah. in how to match those kind of the East and the Midwest and the rest of the country up. No, I agree. By the way, anybody surprised Swarthmore got the number two treatment? No, that they had the case. That's where I had them. Okay. Uh, after yesterday, eight eighty nine, five sixty five, eight and two. I thought they were real easy number number two. Okay. I I, I trust me. I. I take your word for it because mainly it was a little bit of a blur to me, but I, I just thought the wind moved them up further than I expected them to move. But Had they lost to Ed Johns Hopkins in that, that final game, which was tight. Had they lost that game, they wouldn't be on that line. Yeah. That would have, right? So it's a big deal. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I just, it, I love hoops. I mean, what, two previous years, Hopkins did the same thing to them and absolutely 
caused uh, some turmoil there. Hey, I like that Oswego's getting a chance to host. It also gives them a chance to put John Carroll versus Albertus Magnus together. Um, I also like the fact that, uh, you know, Hamilton's coming down to Baltimore. Um, Arcadia, Wabash, and Whitewater are going to be a case. Uh, you've, again, we talked about Kalu. That's going to also have Utica and Babson. Um, actually, the more traditional one might have been Hope, Bethany, Lutheran, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, and Fontbonne in one pod. That's what we're kind of used to, and I'm not complaining about it. North Park is taking on Swanee at Wash U against Coe. That's a cool little one, too. Um, that's a good example of uh, in that one. I, I, have we seen the men's regional rankings yet? I don't yes. Think- oh, they're they, just yes, going they live. They just I'm went live. Yes. Okay. Can you tell me, Pat, is, is North Park ahead of Wash U in Region 8? I thought that North Park would be 2. North Park is 2 ahead of Wash U in Region 8. So, so I think this is a geographic thing, right? You yeah. want to get Sewanee and... Yep. Correct. Sewanee Plus. could get to St. Louis... And by seeding North Park, if, if it was North Park and Washu geography not in the mix, North Park should be hosting. So North Park is ranked ahead of Washu, but is going to Washu because Sewanee could get there. That's that's a tough break for North Park. Yeah, it is. Right, I mean, that's a that's a geographic uh, that's a geographic host. It's not by much, right? Washu's pretty got a pretty good resume. Uh, similarly, you know, Oswego. It's a host because they are within 500 miles of both John Carroll and Albertus Magnus. But again, Oswego certainly had the resume to be pretty close to hosting anyway. Um, we used to, I think like we used to see more of these in Hampton City. We talked about that already um, as a geographic host. Um, and I suppose maybe uh, we may consider Mary Harden Baylor a geographic host. I think we kind of considered them a two in a pod instead of a one. But, um, you know, I guess I used to say we used to see more of these. But now I just named four. Maybe that's a, maybe that's the right amount. <laughs> and I've heard a lot from John Carroll fans, very disappointed that they're going on the road. Um, it, that could have gone either way. That one, they they were like in a in a one to sixteen seed. John Carroll was was like fourish, and when you're fourish and you're matched up with five, that that can go either way. And so I uh, I thought John Carroll would host. But they were certainly at the mercy of a of a geography kind of thing, and uh, you know, like John Carroll got upset, and that's what bumped them out. They they would be hosting had they won that game against was it Marietta beat them right? Maybe, but uh, just for argument's sake, Oswego does make for a nice geography host. No, nothing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just because you can get Carroll and Albertus Magnus and all that, I'm, it's just for argument's sake. I agree with yeah. you, Bob. I think. I think the loss did hurt him a bit, um, but I, I was also thinking along the lines of geography. Um, so Oswego's a cool place to be. Uh, hopefully it doesn't snow too bad. Uh, Texas pod, kind of saw that one coming. Uh, the fact that it was we were putting this stuff together, Dave, that we could identify seven, uh, seven island teams, and if you think about Emory as one, it's really eight. There were a lot of things that you could do. There were a lot of things that was one you know some things that we had to do i think if we had had a little bit more time uh ryan and i to work on it it wasn't one o'clock in the morning and we could come back with fresh eyes in the morning and put out a uh, bracket maybe we would have thought of a way to do that even better um but that was a that was an opportunity for the committee to do some things and send things send teams places and you know if nothing else if you're in the sky act this year you get the opportunity to see your teams go out and play somebody else for goodness sake you're not playing 
the Northwest Conference. You're not playing somebody from Texas. You're not playing each other. I mean, frankly, I'll be honest. I don't have a a high national opinion of Rowan this year. Um, you know, Calhoun is a, a 500 team, right? But uh, you know, that's not a that's not a bad place for them to go. Um, right. About a pitcher against Williams. I mean, you know, first of all, U.S. News and World Report rankings be damned. Uh, those are three of the elite institutions in NCAA Division Three. Absolutely, I say three for reasons. I think you understand why. Yeah. Um, I love those matchups. I'm glad to see them. Uh, um, on the Texas pod, the the uh, sometimes the geography really messes with seating. In this case, it did. A uh, couple reasons. There's St. Thomas should not be playing East Texas Baptist. If, you know, according to seeds, that's a number one seed, St. Thomas playing an ETBU that, you know, was probably overall closing in on like a number 20 point or somewhere in there. That's a rough first round matchup right there. And then Mary Harden Baylor, assuming they beat Schreiner, Mary Harden Baylor shouldn't be playing uh, St. Thomas, Texas in round two. The, the, seeding wise, those are brutal matchups, but there there wasn't really much other way to to do that, I don't think. Well, Shriner also right. blew it up. I mean, Shriner forced Correct. another team in there too. Congratulations right. to Shriner. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and Shriner's the four in that pod, and I think St. Thomas should be the one. But you can't play St. Thomas and Shriner against each other either. So I'm I'm yep. curious. St. Thomas was the one in the final regional rankings. They are yeah, the they, one in the final regional rankings, so they should be the one in that pod for uh, as well. But they so, gave it to Mary they, Harden Baylor. Right. They not, so did they not put into host? That's a question for Not what I've been Sarah. told. I All think right. they made a facilities decision. I'm wondering the same. I don't know a thing about UST's facilities down there. Small. Yeah, it's, I, all I know is from watching web streams, and I watched about 35 times this year, um, they're, they're, they they have a whole side that has no bleachers. They have, you know, you're watching the web stream, and it's benches and wall, so I'm guessing the side that you can't see is 10 rows of bleachers or something. Riley, you haven't been down there, have you? I have not, no. I've watched a lot of the web streams, but I haven't gotten a chance. They've, they haven't really, I haven't really had a reason to go down there and cover no. them yet, but um, yeah, I agree with Bob. I, I don't think they have, I don't know their official seeing capacity. It can't be very much, especially when you compare it to Mary Harden Baylor, if that came into play. Um, or may, maybe they're just making sure that you know members of our crew could get to games easily. You know, Mary Harden Baylor's <laughs> in Riley's backyard, and they made sure there you was know, one in Baltimore or, or at least Randolph Macon. A little closer for me to get to Mary Harden Baylor than it is to yeah, Houston. Yeah, I, I see it, Pat. Yeah, yeah. There are no games in Minnesota. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's punishment for punting St. Thomas to Division One. That was definitely my decision, so I will take that <laughs> out for you. Um, no, that just that just dawned on me because again, I didn't see the regional rankings, so I had assumed Mary Harden Miller had moved ahead of him. Um, so St. Thomas stayed number one, Pat. Yeah, they did. St. Thomas one, Mary Harden Baylor two, Pomona Pitzer, ETBU, Claremont, Redlands, UTD. Okay, I think we had. By those. the way. Like we oh, well. we didn't need ETBU. Never mind. Disregard. Um, I know. We're I talking listen. about who's left at the table, right? So just right. at a glance. That's what I was thinking. Of. It is definitely Colby out of Region One. It's WPI clearly out of Region Two. These are things that are not surprising. 
Uh, if Utica was the last one in, then Nazareth probably never got to the table in Region right. Three. But that was who was next. Um, then you go to uh, you go to Kane in Region Four, right? No, DeSales, Excuse me. DeSales, DeSales we had on the board. Sales in Region Four. Uh, Alvernia, oh, Muhlenberg in Region Five. We had them. Yep, uh, Guilford in Region Six. Obviously, Guilford was ahead of Maryville. I know that was a an ongoing question. Yep. All regional ranking season. Uh, Worcester in Region 7, Elmhurst in Region 8, um, uh, Lacrosse in 9, and CMS in 10. So yeah, we it. had the right board. We had the, yeah. Yeah. Hit the right board. That, the right. that in and of itself is damn difficult, right? And and because we had that, we also had the right RROs. So like Matt, Matt took those rankings, and I think uh, Utica went from three RRO wins to six. Uh, it, not that it... Not that it helped us, we didn't take them, but I, I want to say that we had every right piece of data. If we were ever going to get 20, that was that was the year. We were set up pretty good there. Well, I tried I've to print them. Before. They didn't print right, so I guess that's not going to help me. We have gotten 20 before, so don't say if we were ever going to get 20. Oh, yeah, we we've done, done it. We've we done will it. do it again. We will still be here, and those committee chairs who, you know, threw down the gauntlet at us will be off doing something That's else right. two years from Oh, now. we're going to ask Sarah why she threw the gauntlet. I have a feeling she... Yeah, I don't know what... No. I've, th I've had six thoughts on it. I've actually had many people ask me why they thought Sarah threw the gauntlet at us. Uh -huh. I was I admittedly know. surprised when she did it. Um, don't want to keep going. I, really what it is is... I mean, I could take a break if we want to. Um and reset. We're waiting to find out when Megan is available to join us and we'll talk to her and then Sarah will be joining us um, a little bit later. Again, both of them traveling back to their respective homes. Uh, anything else jump out at you ab about some of these matchups? What I, what I did find interesting was I didn't see a lot of tough first round games that just seemed like they they missed on a... Like Not first round. No. I mean, there's going to be tough second-round games, especially frick on the men's side, because everybody can beat everybody these days. There are definitely some interesting second-round games, potentially. I mean, on the men's side, if Rochester gets past Nichols, and I don't think that's... I think that's a tough one. I think Nichols yeah. is really good. But if they get past them, and Middlebury gets past Worcester State, you got a fascinating second-round game between Rochester uh, and, and Middlebury, which I would argue that was that was the part of the piece of the equation that got Rochester into the tournament. On the men's side, I think the toughest matchups in the in the first round, quick glance, Pomona Pitts or Williams. Yeah. If we're if we're going by where the where we think the seeds are. That's a good point. That's that's one that those two teams, you know, shouldn't be playing against each other. And then I go back to the Texas pot. I think St. Thomas and ETBU, if you're looking at like, wow, that's a great first round game that you wouldn't have expected to see until round two. Those two stand out to me. That's a good point. Besides Other than being... that, I don't see anything that's too crazy in the first round. You know what's good? Wabash and Whitewater. Oh, Hampton, Sydney, Emory. Oh, yeah. That's a good, that's a good, that's going to be a good battle. Yeah, I mean. Criteria-wise, maybe it makes sense. But they're both South Region teams. Who are I mean, probably... Hampton Sydney is ranked twenty in our poll, and Emory is not ranked. I mean, I think our poll thinks that's a good matchup. Fair, mm -hmm. fair. Uh, uh, Wabash and Whitewater are two unranked a, teams, but it's a four-five. That could be number thirty-two versus number thirty-three, right? And be a yeah. great matchup and a great game. And 
Regional um, ranking wise, that's a four yeah. v five. I was you know I was kicking myself when I saw that because of all the places that we mapped to try to get Whitewater last night, we did not think to map them to Case Western, so we missed on that. I think if uh, if Ryan and I had seen that, we might have reconsidered where we put Whitewater also. But 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 quickly about the Hamden Sydney Emory, that's a four and the five in the region. So that's the only twist. And, and again, it might be geographics at that point. That's the only place Emory can go. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm just wondering. I let, yeah, I, I had wondered if they would fly Christopher Newport. I think it's 565 miles from Christopher Newport to, em, to uh, Emory. I was wondering if they'd maybe yeah. give Emory a host. Now, I was thinking this back when Barry was in the conversation. You got Emory and Barry. But once Barry was out, then you had to send Emory somewhere and they can only get to Hampton, Sydney. And there's only so much you can do with that four teams if you're going to bring Newport there. I, yeah. I just went to the mileage website. Does it not work anymore? Oh, there's a new it's, one. Books new link and, and it's much better. Oh. It is much better. I'll say this though, Oh, and maybe it's only football people who can answer this, but I thought Whitewater to Mount Union used to be under 500, and it Sorry. registers at 504 or something now. Hmm. I thought that was under, but I thought, uh, but maybe only the football people really know. Well, why? Why would you know? Why would Why would Whitewater and Mount Union be something you'd need to know? <laughs> that um, is pretty funny. Yeah, Whitewater the, Mount Union and basketball. It's a new. It's a new yeah, era. I would have loved. I would have loved that. It would have been great. Uh, Google says it's 500. So, uh, there's, you know, we were, I'm not getting very specific, so it could be longer. Um, yeah, I didn't realize there was a new link. I just went to it to double check the distance from Farmingdale to Hamden, Sydney. Because admittedly, oh. that feels more than 500 to me. But it's straight down 95, and then you get to yeah. uh, Richmond, and you go, uh, you go west for about an hour. No, that's true. I, I might have. I might have it wrong, but I just... There's a good mileage one uh, in uh, sectional, potentially. If Oswego, if a sectional is Oswego and uh, in Randolph-Macon, it's 499. It's 499 from Oswego State to Randolph-Macon. That's pretty impressive bracketing work by the committee. With Hopkins and Case in the middle. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, yeah. Well, now I want yeah, this... You sent they me a link, Pat. I want to check out this new this new. Uh, uh, Scott part put it in our uh, our group chat here. Oh, I'm not. Um, yeah, different computer, so I'll get it another time. It's all good. That explains why you weren't getting all of my messages about we need to move on to the next topic. No, because uh, I'm I'm over here, and and you're over here. Hey, gents, yeah. I do have to to run. I no. got a conflict here. It starts in a couple minutes, but uh, we appreciate conflicts on hoops. So? yeah, I mean, there's there's non hoop stuff that happens every now and then, but. <laughs> Um, appreciate Hey, kudos to Riley and Scott. I've said this on Twitter. Yeah. But what you guys are doing on the women's side has been an absolute game changer. I keep hearing a yes. lot of feedback about that from um, coaches, fans on the women's side. And so probably those you're not even hearing from are like very appreciative of what you're doing. So uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm sure I'll see you all soon somewhere or the other. So somewhere. have a great show, guys. Thanks, Bob. You take care of yourself. Bob, you guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll readjust our screen here now that Bob's popped off. Uh, no, Riley and, uh, and, and Scott have been doing great work. Now, the only problem with that, gentlemen, is expectations are now very high. So uh, exactly. good luck to you. 
I just I just want to get you guys on the print platform. I know people maybe still read websites. No, that's true. I, I give you that. Uh, guys, any yeah. thoughts on the women matchups? Uh, you, uh, Scott, you made a little comment there about the about the second the second round for sure. So as far as the first round, I see three matchups that I think both are involved. Number two seeds in pods. They're both kind of twos, and that's Marietta, Eastern Connecticut, Oshkosh, Washington, Lee, and I had one more that was Elizabethtown, Stevens. I think all of those teams would be in the top 32 teams in the field, and so for each of them might be a little bit rough of a first-round matchup, but it's not very far off. And if you look at all the one seeds in each pod, they have very fair matchups, so I think it was a really solid job done by the committee overall. The one hosting thing that I I did not expect, it is most likely geography-related, is Rhode Island College did not get to host, and they were my 12th overall seed. And Ithaca ended up hosting. They were my 23rd overall. Hmm. On on the face of it, it seemed like you could probably make that work, but I haven't dug into any of the specifics. Well, remember, they were you know, obviously doing stuff with higher seeds. Remember, Ithaca was in that top 16, so they were already in a position of strength from the committee's perspective. I understand they lost two of their last three. I, I appreciate that that data and changed, but... Rhode Island College was already ahead of them and won the rest of their games, and, and Ithaca lost twice. I think they diverged quite a bit. I just hope that if someone wants to cut the net down at Ithaca that they're going to be allowed to this weekend. Someone shell out the 40 bucks for another another net. Trying to figure out where the shot just came from. Another net and a a Werner ladder. Holy lordy. Shots fired. Shots fired. All right, Dave's getting punchy. Um, Hold on. I did the top 16. Am I forgetting I didn't talk about Rhode Island? I'm almost positive they were in there, but I thought I could, that they were in there. And I, I could have clearly lost my mind. Don't get me wrong; it's been a long weekend. But I, I'll take your word. I'm for almost it. positive they're up there. Okay, no, that's fine then. Then I've got a completely misunderstood uh, perspective on that. Um, I, I admit, though, I, I was a little surprised Ithaca was hosting only because they lost two of the last three. So I thought they had played themselves out of that position. Rhode Island wasn't right. there, right? Rhode Island College, Rhode Island College no. is not in the sixteen. No. Was not in the sixteen. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't lost my mind then. I mean, Trinity it's, was it's possible. Trinity was twelve, um, and they're not in the. Uh, are they both in the one? Little East is in the one or the two? Yeah, two. I may. They're oh, in the two. I may never. I may never get the one and the two in my brain straight. Uh, Babson's in the two, right? Babson Correct. was seven. And Smith. Yeah. And Smith, of course, Smith was one. The By the way, Smith's Smith's got a really good spot here. Lynn Hersey has done a terrific job with this program, and look at where she's positioned them. They they have gotten to being the top dog in the tournament with a chance at making a significant run here. I, I am so impressed with what they've done at Smith. Absolutely. It was a couple weeks ago, and Tufts has been peaking since then, but Tufts was not competitive against Smith at that entire game. I was like, I don't think Tufts is a top 40 team. And then in the last couple weeks, I was like, wait, they're a top 15 team. Smith, you know, did whatever they wanted to do in that game. I'm really impressed. I'm hoping if I can get into a a place this offseason where I want to be, 
where we can do some off-season podcasts like we planned. One of them I want to, Pat knows I've talked about this. I'd love to get the single-sex coaches on and talk about the recruiting and the challenge there is. Because that's what I think makes Lynn's what Lynn's done so much more impressive. It makes what Caleb Kimbrough has done at, at Hampton Sydney so impressive. Because it looked, and I interpreted it as a change in the idea of going to a single-sex college. But Wabash and Hampton Sydney have turned around and become back into the national conversation. Smith has made that happen. We've seen Wellesley, but we've also seen Wellesley fall off. So it's hard to say. Because I'm used to the Bryn Mars, the Trinity Connecticut's, the... Uh, Hollands, the Sweetbriars, the whatever you want to call it, who can't figure this out. I'm blown away with what she's doing at Smith. I know Dave means Trinity, D.C. Uh, I who agree. did I say? Yeah. You said Trinity, Connecticut. Oops, and I nope, was meant D.C. a little thrown for just yeah, a second. No, no. I, the, one of the things that's different about Smith, um, and not to say, uh, compared to some of the other women's only schools that you talked about, is Smith is an elite academic oh. institution. It is a destination yes. that you want to go to if you have the opportunity to get a Smith College education, that's something you go and do. And, you know, and I'm not, want to, I don't want to take anything away from our colleagues who went to Wabash, and there are multiple colleagues of ours in D3 Sports who went to Wabash, <laughs> and all the Hampton Sydney people. Those are great schools. They are fine institutions. They're not Smith. No, Smith, when I talked about Williams and Pomona and Pitzer, you know, 10 minutes ago, Smith is exactly that kind of institution as well. That's a destination place you want to go. Um, now the people who come out of Wabash and Hampton City come out with great stories of what an amazing collegiate experience it was uh, to be in a, at an all male institution, and you know I, I hear nothing but good stories about that. Uh, but man, if you can make Smith into Smith is already a destination. If you can make an athletic destination as well, that's just amazing. You, it's it really kind of has an opportunity to compound upon itself and make that a uh, make that a NESCAC style. Uh, you know, juggernaut. I completely agree. The only co only comparison I'll give is that Wellesley, I would consider the same, and they're not having the same success that Lynn is having. But again... Yeah, they did for like five minutes 20 years ago. Right. right. That's my point. It's a little quick flash in the pan. But to your point, that also makes Smith even harder to get into. So it, it just really love what she's doing and i hope they can they can uh, spin it out here in the season i mean listen that's not an easy yes it's the easiest grouping but they still have some beasts in that scranton is a potential or i'm looking at the men's side whoops uh <laughs> very different um, smith has to sales trinity connecticut and whitewater yeah so that's another spot they are willing to fly that whitewater pod yep. into a sectional and that and you know that's a whitewater team that was a runner-up last year and a DeSales team having only its, you know, having a, t a, a season that's only ties it for its best ever. So, and and Dave, you're going to say harsh things about me looking to the future when the season is not yet done. The way I was looking at regional rankings when we were in January, <laughs> I have uh, DeSales returning a tremendous yes. amount of their their team um, in a standout way, which. They no. still have this year to, to make waves, but no, they are right. among the standouts on, on that stat. You're right. Maybe we can get to sales back to Las Vegas. That would be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Get them both there, for that matter. It would be great to have them both there. Um, we have got uh, Megan available in a few minutes, so I'm going to wrap things up with you guys. appreciate the time you gave us. That was a nice long – it did not feel like an hour chat. That was really fun to do. I uh, appreciate all your perspectives, answered some questions as well. I hope maybe change the – the tenor of some of the conversations out there as well. Uh, but we'll go around the horn as always to get the final word. Scott, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts on what you saw today? 
I'm very excited for a national bracket that looks tremendously balanced. We can get every single matchup that we want. I think we wanted trying hope in the in the championship game last year, but they're on the same side. You really can't quibble with it this year. You have Smith, Scranton, Newport, and Transylvania completely separated. And it could be, if those four make it to the final four, it could be wildly exciting. Really, whoever makes it will be wildly exciting. I agree. Riley, your thoughts? Yeah, and we've talked about it quite a bit, but I was sitting there at Merritt Hart Baylor today watching the men's selection show play out and was just very impressed with the way the geography was set up and, and what – uh, they were able to do to get some of those really, really good matchups on the men's side, uh, on the women's side as well. You know, something I kind of hinted to this morning uh, when I was writing up something on the scoop on D3 Women's Hoops was the fact that, you know, this is a, a day where we can see, you know, a lot of people leave feeling very excited. Um, a lot of people also see their seasons end today. And um, I just thought it was really, really well done by the committee to kind of evaluate those resumes balance them out. I thought they evaluated the strength of schedule really, really well and um, ultimately did a good job in creating some of those pods to give us some very good matchups, but also keep those top seeds in a favorable spot. Um, hopefully, maybe yeah, to the, the final four if they keep playing the way they are. No excuse, Riley. Championships in your backyard. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'll be in I'll Dallas. Be he's going to be there. I think he's the... Uh, it's him and Gordon for D3 Hoops from there. Not bad. So, uh... <laughs> Not bad. You'll love yeah. it. I had a great time in Indianapolis when they did it last. Uh, it is so much fun with all three in the same building, I may add. Uh, that's what makes it so great. Pat? Well, um, you know, I could have just said ditto Scott or ditto Riley. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, like Gordon said most recently as well. I think one thing that I would add was I was happy to see that the uh, the, the women's uh, bracket joined the men's bracket in intentionally spreading out the yeah. tip-off times of these games. You got you know Johns Hopkins and Skidmore, and you got St. Vincent and Cortland being off at four o'clock, uh, all the way to uh, eight o'clock Central for Northwestern U of Chicago and the UTD Trinity Texas game. Um, you know, would it be cool to see every twenty minutes, every fifteen minutes? I love seeing that on the men's bracket. That is cool. This is really good, though. This is really good. I'm very happy to see this. It's going to just again. I think it's going to be a great showcase for the product. That is Division Three women's basketball. And, um, you know, I know Megan Wilson has another job that she also does. That's but if, if you wanted to, you know, if we wanted to campaign for her to, I don't know, maybe there's a, maybe she should be hired by the NCAA to be the liaison for this, uh, for this, for this sport. That would be great. Uh, this is a, this is very good. I'm super happy with uh, how this is turning out so far. And I'm excited for games to start on Friday. She could definitely be a good ombudsman uh, for the uh, for things. I agree. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. I agree with you. I love the uh, staggered starts. The men's is brilliant. Uh, that's just the, how it's evolved. Uh, but it's yeah. just great to see that the women are there as well. Uh, we'll talk to Mike about that here quickly. Gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, you guys enjoy some downtime and enjoy the tournament. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. Later. I've got a cold one to pour here in a second. Oh, you enjoy that. I'll get mine later. <laughs> 
Scott and Ryan Scott, Pat Coleman and Riley Zayas joining us on the Huddle Hoops Hotline. We'll take a break. When we come back, Megan Wilson will join us to talk about the women's selections and up later in the show, Sarah Quadraki will join us to talk about the men's process. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners, especially Sport Tours International and yourself as well have donated to the cause. We appreciate those of you who've helped raise the funds for this program. Please consider to do it as well. We've got the information on your screen. We'll have more of it on social media as well. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we continue on on this Bracket Monday edition of the show, we will have Megan Wilson joining us here shortly. Double-checking we sent her the right information because you never know. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville or youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Blazer Bobcat says, good luck to both basketball teams from Emory of Atlanta in this season's NCAA tournaments. Emory's the lone Georgia team to advance the postseason play this year. That is right. They are. Number of schools, I'm not going to get them all right, have both programs in. Emory, LaRoche, Whitewater. Um, hang on. Scranton. I, I know there's more. I'm not going to get them all. Um, those are just a couple off the top of my head. I know I'll remember some others. Um, Mary Washington, Christopher Newport. Uh, there's quite a few. Uh, pretty impressive. Um, hang on, reading an email. I'll get back to that. Um, but if you do have questions, fire away. We'll try and answer them best we can uh, along the way and see what we get. Uh, Megan Wilson is available to join us here momentarily, so we will get to her in a second. I'm hoping the audio setup for this works. For some reason, it doesn't like working for the other group, but we believe it works for this side. 
So we will check it. Um, I'm actually going to cheat, folks. We're going to do this live on air and ask Megan to actually give me an audio check, see if it works. Yeah, I don't think it did. Well, we'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. If you have to, is this, you know what the sad part is, folks, is we is things get tested and then they don't work, and then you wonder why they don't work, and and you don't have an answer because it makes no darn sense. Um, but it is what it is. We'll try it anyway. We're going to fly by the seat of our pants because that's how we do things here on the show. Because sometimes I just don't care. I just want to go on. So join us on the uh, Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. The aforementioned Megan Wilson, who is looking good considering Megan, I suspect, sleep has been maybe an option that you didn't have. Tonight than I have in the past. There we go. What would you say? <laughs> I've got I got a lot more sleep last night than I have in the past. Well, that's, that's impressive. impressive. Yeah. Hold well, on, I'm going to try something, something here. Oh, oh no, that, that is working, working the way we wanted it to. How about that? All, All right, right, so, so question. question. If you, you got, got more sleep, sleep were you, you trying hard, hard enough? enough? Uh, I think we tried too hard. Oh, do tell. Why, why do you think you tried too hard? No, I think our efforts... Uh, going into the week and going into the weekend, all the pre-work and prep work we did, um, I, I really feel like that paid off in the process and in the bracket that we put out. So I was really happy um, with that and the, the work of the committee. So I thought it made yesterday, um, it, it, it was still a very long day, right? But, um, you know, we wrapped up last night around 11, which was much earlier than in years past. Yeah, pretty impressive. We were not done at 11. We were done with your side of things by 11, but we weren't done overall by 11. So I would love to know what that experience is like. So please tell me in the future, if you don't mind. <laughs> Will do, but you did too. So if you put us and men back to back, we're not done by 11. No, I get that. Um, so I'm curious. Let, we'll get into some some nitty gritty here because I think there's a lot of it that we found fascinating. But at the same time, there's a lot of it um, that we have still questions about. Uh, first and sure. foremost... You said the prep work made a big difference. That's great to hear. But in general, what do you think was the biggest challenge you guys faced when you when you're doing the selections? What was the biggest challenge you were facing when getting down to the end? I mean, I think it's just so hard, right? All all those teams on the board at that moment when you got two or three spots left are probably deserving, right? And I think the most difficult part is that we have 10 individuals so we see those resumes a little bit differently um and you know you have to remember that we want to try to stay consistent with the way we were looking at resumes at the start of the process um but, but i feel like once you get at the end we're really splitting hairs on some things you know we're we're diving into you know they're 21 and six and i i know that question's coming but who are those losses to um are some of the other teams on the board do they have losses to unranked opponents uh do they are there head-to-heads on the board is there any common opponents on the board which is less likely when we're we're comparing teams across regions but sometimes that's the case and so is there head-to-head that's keeping a team below another team when you're looking at the whole body of work. So I think it's really hard at one point, I think yesterday someone said, you know, do you feel like you ha- you have the happiness of 18 to 22 year old student athletes in your hands? And, you know, 
I chuckled because I was that student athlete two years and we were bubble team both years and one year we got in and one year we didn't get in. And so I know what that's like. Um, it, it's also hard because really yeah, if they win their AQs or, you know, they're not in our hands. So it's tough, right? There's 19 spots and there's so many deserving teams. Uh, but I think we did a good job and we stayed consistent with the process. Yeah, I mean, the one at large that we missed was Wartburg. Um, we picked Randolph-Macon, I'll admit. I, I wasn't gung-ho about the Macon pick, but that's where we ended up, and, and that's where we went. There's no other, I don't think there was anything overwhelming by that. I see where the Wartburg one was. The one thing that we did struggle a little bit was they were 1-6 versus region-ranked opponents, and granted, their six losses happened to be those six regional-ranked losses. It wasn't like they had more losses hiding somewhere. So curious, what... What did you all evaluate that maybe we didn't or didn't appreciate, especially about those regionally ranked opponents? Because honestly, we saw the one win and we said, okay, great. You played a bunch of regionally ranked teams, but you only got one win out of this. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing when you guys had them on the board, they also had the highest win-loss percentage. So Correct. they had a 584 SOS. They had the highest win-loss percentage on the board, and all of their losses came to ranked opponents. Also, again, it's not a scheduling contest. I heard that comment, like I said that a couple of weeks ago, and we still took them. Um, they beat a number two. They had losses to Scranton, who was in our top four overall. They uh, Two to a two, a three, a four and a five. And so, you know, again, you're not giving them credit for stepping out on the floor with those teams. But when you're looking at some other teams who may have a lower win loss percentage, right. And not all of their losses have come to ranked opponents. And again, you know, there was some teams on the board late that had three ranked wins to a seven, you know, yeah. and a seven in region nine is not a seven necessarily in other regions. And so you also have to dig into a little bit, not just, oh, we have three ranked wins or three over a four. What's that four's SOS? What's that four's win-loss percentage? What's their resume look like? And when we get to those last few spots, that's what we're doing. And ultimately it comes down to a vote. So we were pretty consistent, I would say, um, and unanimous, probably on our first 15. Hmm. And then it's, you know, we're valuing different things and, you know, we're having lots of discussions and we could probably argue till 2 a.m. about teams. And at some point you just have to to make some decisions. And again, a lot of them were very well deserving and it's hard. I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't argue till 2 a.m., Megan. I, I don't understand <laughs> uh, what the problem was. Um, I was hoping for a good bracket. That's what the problem was. No, I hear that entirely. We'll get to that in a moment because I do want to talk about the fascination of the bracket. Um, all right, so I totally understand and, and I can appreciate the fact that um, I don't want to say that losses are ev are evaluated more, but more than we were, put it that way. And, of course, as you said, not every region makes sense. So I, I get it. And and. Again, I think we're splitting hairs a little bit, even ourselves, trying to figure out. Um, and I yeah, think maybe. I can't remember who said it, but I'm pretty sure someone said, I wouldn't even be surprised if they took Wartburg when you guys. Yeah, were someone did about say them. it. Yep, someone did say it. And honestly, I think that's what we say every time we get to the last pick. It's like, yeah, I mean, sure. seriously, they could take any one of these for any route, yeah. for all we know. 
with some of the other aspects of it, first off, you didn't have a lot of bubble bursts, so you did get to go that deep. Is there anything about the process, especially from the last few years that you've been doing it, that when you look back on, you wish you could just get a little bit better definition, understanding parameters on? Does that make sense? Like, is there anything that's just too open to interpretation? I mean, I think the criteria is set up in a way when we start to compare teams across regions, it's very difficult. And we get those bookend issues with win loss and strength of schedule. And it's really hard to evaluate resumes that are very lopsided in one of those categories. Um, and, and oftentimes with a lopsided SOS, you're going to have some results versus ranked, right? So now it looks like, again, we're not counting categories. We're not counting columns. Um, but now they have good results versus regionally ranked and strong SOS. And how does that stack up to a team that's, again, I say middle of the pack. We had a lot of 550s SOSs, and, and that's really good. Um, we just had a lot of really strong SOSs this year. Um, and so, you know, how does that stack up when you're looking at a, almost a 600, you know, with some impressive ranked wins, but the, the win loss. So I, I just think that's challenging to evaluate because there's so much subjectivity with 10 members of the national committee and trying to evaluate what that looks like. Uh, talking with Meg Wilson here. She's, uh, I, I don't have the full title for you, but we'll just, we'll trim it down to associate Dean for intercollegiate athletics at Dubuque, but she's also the women's basketball chair. I know I'm missing about half of your title there. You're good. And I hope I didn't give you a pay decrease because of it. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah. Right. Also women's basketball chair, Megan, real quick before I forget, are you in your last season? Um, I have one more year on the committee left. Um, I'm in like my umpteenth year because I finished off Dave Petroff, who was actually my old assistant coach at Stevens Point. I finished his uh, term and then I was re-up for my own term. So I've been on, I think, for six years. People are probably really looking forward to me moving on. Um, But I won't be the chair next year. So we do have kind of a two-year chair, um, I don't know situation so yeah yep so um i i think i'll have the easy job i'll just get back to sit back and relax next year if i'm if i'm staying on we have we have suggestion i don't know if you heard the end of the last segment pat suggested maybe you could be the new liaison i thought ombudsman for this process maybe for multiple committees uh we we've enjoyed uh having you on but also we've enjoyed the process that the women have evolved to so just a thought we have some higher x aspirations for you (laughs) Um, well, I love it. I mean, I love being a part of this process. Um, you know, I, I think that I would love to serve on a men's sport committee uh, in some capacity at some point. I just really enjoy it. Um, and it's definitely a good connection uh, for me to the game. You know, I, I just I got out of coaching a little bit earlier than I would have anticipated. And so it's just a really good connection to women's basketball and basketball in general for me. I like I how you it. put that earlier than anticipated. Uh, let's pivot back. Um Again, it seemed the selections were pretty obvious to some degree. When you got to bracketing and you talked about a lot of the work you guys did ahead of time, how much was that? And 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 I get the sense that came from the men because the men have been talking about doing the work ahead of time for years now. How much impact did that have on bracketing? Because I'll admit this is probably the most, I don't want to use creative isn't the right word, but the most... Um, 
variety, most variety we've seen in a bracket? Yeah, I think um, so talking with Mike and working closely with Mike and now Sarah this year and, and quite honestly, taking some of the feedback that we got as a committee last year in my role as a chair, I think, you know, it, it's hard to hear some of the criticisms, right? Mm -hmm. But it, ultimately it makes you better and it helps us put together a better tournament. So sure. I think we really listened to some of those things um, and, and tried to really create an as much of a national tournament as we can in division three and, and try to push the envelope and, and get creative with some of these matchups. And so, um, I think that the shell of the bracket, having a lot of that work done, you know, we had a good idea on our top 16 teams. We knew that geography would play a part. And so even some of those, especially towards the, you know, 14, 15, 16 may not be able to host because of, you know, what it looked like, first and second rounds, or maybe even next rounds and protecting our top four overall seeds. Um, so, so we had to think about those things, but I felt like because last night it was just about making switches. Once we had every, our selections in, we were able to put a lot more thought into the creativity and the matchups and, and where we might be able to send teams to. So I felt very relaxed by the time we got to the bracketing, which maybe sounds crazy, but you know, I was just sitting there watching the screen and hover over teams and seeing where we could put them. And it was just really fun. We talked about, like, I remember a comment um, from your show. I, I don't even remember who said it, but you know, that we didn't get a lot of diversity of regions and pods. And so we really tried, you know, there's some that have a couple per region in the pod, but we there's a, quite a few that have four separate regions represented in a pod, and we tried to do some of that stuff. So we'll see. We're trying some new things. We're trying to get better. Um, you know, some of it is we're working more closely with the men's side of things. I think they've had some good ideas, um, and I think that collaboration has helped them share some of their ideas um, and while still kind of making it our own tournament. So I think it's been good. I, um, we have some staggered start times. We've had, you know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what we hear about that in terms of feedback. But, you know, um, it, it's good for our game. And that's what we're really trying to do is, you know, just create some excitement. It's it's such an amazing experience to be a part of a national tournament as a Division three student athlete. And uh, we really want to make them feel that. To that point, uh, yeah, we'll start there. Staggered starts, that was a nice little uh, surprise um in there you guys didn't really allude to that uh have you received any feedback initially on that idea and, and because i get the sense that those staggered starts are now more committee controlled than they are institutionally controlled yeah so we always had parameters for the earliest and latest start times available um but the problem was is everybody would kind of go with the five and seven thirty or the traditional yes. and yeah. when the host got to select so uh, like the men, uh, we did assign the times. We tried to be um, cognizant of our top seeds. We tried to be aware of time zone differentials um, when we looked at those. And, you know, we had to go from half hour increments to 15 minute increments in a few spots. Uh, so games didn't start too late. But uh, we've heard some feedback. There's some concern about the turnaround time, uh, you know, and, and we tried to really keep it close to 24 hours. Um, you know, and I hope it, it's good. I just think it gives people an opportunity to see a lot of great basketball there. Are, I mean, there are so many pods that are going to be so fun to watch and, and selfishly for me, right? Like we, our committee is so invested in this tournament now. Like we are fans of everybody. It's, it's so fun to maybe not fun to read some of the fans. <laughs> 
Twitter uh, tweets out there right now, but you know, we're fans of a lot of these teams. We have talked about them. We have researched them. We have watched them now. And, and so when we get stuck, just being able to watch two games at a certain, you know, at an hour, it's nice for us to be able to kind of enjoy this too. So I, I really hope that people go out and watch some great women's basketball and get on games and uh, just see what good talent there is out there in division three. No, I agree with you. Um, you guys got really creative with the bracket. You made some flights. You also got the Texas pod. We'll get back to the Texas pod in a minute. But you got some flights. Whitman's heading to Chicago, for example. Um, you've got some other creative spots. You talked about wanting to, and thanks for listening to the show and taking advice. We have other ideas if you'd like them. But um, oh, I'm listening. Uh, which is both uh, very honored and scared all at the same time. Um <laughs> There's there's an element that you did look for the diversity, and I think some things ended up. I, I liked what, you, for example, NYU. It was known NYU stated it publicly they weren't going to be hosting this weekend or this tournament, and you guys took advantage of that, put them in a spot where you could get other schools to them. But it looked like you also treated them still as the top seed. It felt like you it was a gift and something you did on uh, consciously at the same time. Yeah, for sure. We tried to protect those top seeds, um, and and they truly are. They already have uh, to travel because they weren't able to put in a bid to host due to their facility issues and some other stuff. So they weren't going to host. We thought we should still treat them as the seed that we had given them uh, in terms of the overall bracket. We so we did that. You know, I, I think there's some close ones when you, you kind of look at it you know it's not seated like a, a traditional division one bracket would be where you can count up your six it's different because of geography right so there's there's going to be a couple tough first round matchups um but goodness at this time of year i everybody that's going to be in there right is going to be a tough game you just never know so um I thought the bracket was fun, creative. I think it created some new matchups, um, and it didn't feel so regionally based as it has maybe in the past. You did get played into that Texas pod, um, but you flew Redlands in there. But you've got a little bit of a playful game, which we saw coming, I think, for some of us, Trinity, Texas, and Texas, Dallas, former assistant coach at Trinity, and and his alma mater is, is the head coach at Texas, Dallas. But Harden Simmons is in there. Were you able to get – could you try and get them out of the way there in that Texas area, or were you kind of hamstrung a little bit? We were pretty hamstrung because Whitman and Redlands were going to be a flight regardless. Um, and, and we've really – you know, that Texas pod is disappointing every year, right? I, I just wish we had more flexibility with it. Um, but I think that we were – strategic in the way we place teams to protect our top seeds moving forward. So I think we anticipated some things that might happen in next weekend. Um, and so we, we tried to be really aware of flying and where we, who we were sending where. So we probably could have gotten away with it. Although I don't know if we would have been able to do the things we were, were hopeful that we've done for next weekend. I was going to say, um, I'll get to second weekend in a minute. I don't want to. I don't want to leave our our first weekend conversation just yet. I'll, I'll get to second weekend. Okay. Uh, Smith, it seems like you consider them to be the top dog um, in the entire tourney. You've got Christopher Newport seemingly as a number two. 
with Scranton and NYU as the others if if this was a traditional bracket. Is that a fair way of saying it? That's fair. Okay. Um, how how important was it to you talked a lot about protecting your your seeds. Do you think you were successful in doing so? I do. I think we did a good job with that this year. I don't think we've always done that in the past. It's interesting because, and I say this from the segment we just did, because I think it was a fascinating point. You know, you see Christopher Newport, Hope, Trinity, and Tufts all in the same grouping in the upper right. And at first you look at that and go, oh, Lord, wowzer. But Scott Peterson pointed out, based on criteria, that's actually not that unreasonable. Yeah, uh, I've seen a couple tweets about that already, or a, a Tufts Hope matchup in the third round, and or not, excuse me, not Tufts, Christopher Newport uh, Hope, Hope matchup yeah. in the third round, and absolutely. But you know, I love Scott. Scott Scott has had my back a little bit, but but he's right. Um, when you look at the criteria, they're it, they're pretty even quadrants, um, with S- Smith probably having a little bit of an advantage, but again. You know, we can talk about things going to chalk next weekend or, you know, even out of game one. And just on the men's side in conference tournaments, we've seen that that's not the case. Um, and so, you know, you kind of set the, the bracket up like that, but who knows what will happen. So that upper right-hand quadrant for the following weekend is set up. You're going to have three flights. Now, granted, we're, we're talking about chalk, but even when you look outside the chalk, if even if there were a couple upsets, there's probably going to be multiple flights there. First off... That was approved. In, in years past, we don't always get to see that. And and the second part of that is, did you build it to protect Christopher Newport, knowing that they couldn't necessarily, or they are allowed to host, I should say. They're, they're not going to host the first weekend, but they're in position to host the second weekend. Or is that wide open on who can host that second weekend? No, I, I think we did it to protect them. Um, obviously, their men will have, priority next weekend um so that could be challenging um and that may tie our hands a little bit um but again i think one of the reasons we were able to put the bracket together the way we did was because we did limit that first those first round of flights to just two and so i think generally we've had at times more than that and so uh, this was the route we chose to go and um, we tried to protect those top four well, when you can go that route and still have the creativity in the bracket, it looks good. I mean, I think we'd be having a different conversation if you chose to just go with two flights that first weekend and, and have them all in the second if we have nothing but regionalized brackets. To some degree, you're able to be creative and get everything you wanted in one bracket. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that had to do with us being more prepared and just make those decisions last night we had a shell we had we were pretty good um our bracketing crew on who we thought our selections would be based on our committee votes when we selected those so we we had some switches but not a lot um so so we were able to just last night start moving teams around in pods and and starting to kind of look at some of those matchups how many how many people do you have involved with it this year um so last night we had um four committee members and uh, our two liaisons from the NCAA. So there are six of us. That's not bad. Um, yeah. Where do you, 
where did you guys have the biggest hang up the entire day? Was it in the selections? Was it in bracketing? Where was where was the challenge that you faced when you had to deal with things? I would say just those last five picks. There's just so much subjectivity at that point. Um, and so they took us a long time. Uh, now, granted, our first 10, uh, we were very well prepared for, and, and we had done some stuff that we kind of were able to show our committee, look, you guys know, you've been talking about these teams all year, you know they're going to be in the tournament. So those went a lot faster. But when we got to those last five, it became difficult. Um, and, you know, again, you have 10 different opinions and you have, um, you know, coaches that have played these teams. And so, like, you just feel like you're talking in circles, right? Like, yeah, but this team has done this. And, you know, it's like, we just heard you say that, you know, but it, it's just tough. Um, so I would say that was probably the most difficult thing. I know you'll probably love to hear me say this, but it's just really hard with Sunday championship games. Um, and so I know the weather played a huge impact for some, um, but it, it really does, again, they're doable, they're allowed, they're accepted, um, but it does make the work of the committee a little bit more challenging. Would it be better if they were earlier or just not there at all? Um, I think it'd be better if they just weren't there at all. If, I mean, if I had my perfect world, there would be none. Um, I think the part you run into if they were earlier um, is we do our rat calls first and we have to do all those scenarios um, and then games play and then we start the national. So we, we start with the regions who have finished up, um, but I would just prefer them not to be on Sunday at all. Yeah, well, as you said, I didn't mind hearing that at all. Yeah. Uh, and whatsoever. By the way, I may have uh, gotten my wording confused. I, I, I meant to say that the women have first priority the weekend – uh, coming up it's the men who have the priority the second weekend i was trying to say that because of that cnu pod you have choices everywhere to go and i jumbled sure. up my language there yep um on what i was trying to say there and and leave open the possibility that if the women or the christopher newport men are not hosting you can still go there with the right. women so you you still got the possibility it's kind of where i was trying to go and my brain just took it sideways uh and went all over the place with it did the fact that this is uh a Dallas championship have any impact on anything, or is that completely outside the the realm of worry in terms of budgets, flights, and all that? As far as I'm concerned, that was completely out of our, <laughs> not in our realm. It was not in our thought process as a committee. I don't know in terms of from an NCAA level, um, but but I think they're just separate things. When you look at or, no, better question. What feedback have you gotten today? And I know you've gotten lots. But what's been maybe a couple of the central themes or, or the biggest questions you've gotten, whether it's administrators, coaches, fans, whatever? What what have been the maybe the, the two or three biggest um, hot buttons? I think a lot of people think the system's broken. I, I think I've seen things that were just truly not taking the best 64 teams uh, and I would probably agree with that in the fact that we're definitely not taking the best 64 teams because of AQs. Um, and so we only have 19 at-large selections. And so it's it's really difficult. There are so many deserving teams. And then you just have so much subjectivity. Yeah. Um, 
and and not real clear guidelines. Um, you know, I, I think we've gotten a lot closer. I still think there's similar resumes that probably got in on the men's side possibly and did not get in on our side. And so you're going to hear, see some of those complaints out there. Um, but, but I really felt like uh, we were pretty consistent all year uh, with where we were at as a committee. And I, I think that's one of the challenges, right, is now when people roll off the committee, how does that change? Or for instance, I've been the chair for two years and probably some consistency when you get a chair for multiple years, how does that change? Because now the leader, the the voice of the group has maybe different values or sees win-loss or SOS or ranked results versus rank different than I do. And so I, I think um, it's not a perfect system. I don't think our criteria is set up very well to compare teams nationally across regions. I think it's very re regional um, and I'm not sure it's the best criteria anyway. Do you think there's a criteria or some system that we could, could evolve to over time? Is there a something that does the SOS need to be Re reworked does does part of the criteria need to be where you know this does evolve well, it used yep. to be qowy and before that it, it wasn't anything to be honest um where do you think it can evolve to uh i don't know i would love to see our our tournament field put in pairwise this year i would love to see where pairwise which is used in men's and women's hockey and where our teams would have fell in that um hmm. I, I just think that there's a lot of criteria that gets double counted right now. So, Fair. for instance, uh, if I beat you head-to-head -head and you're ranked, I've now got a head-to-head -head win that the results versus ranked, and it's also helped my SOS. So now that one game has now pushed me in three categories and win-loss because I beat you. So yeah, to some degree. how much credit are we going to give that win? And and when you have a head-to-head -head win and it's a ranked win, are you counting that against the team that lost twice? Meaning they lost a head-to-head -head and the results versus ranked aren't as good. You know what I'm saying? If it's close. Yeah. Um, okay. Quickly I'm not explain. a math girl. I'm not a – so I, I don't know where it could get. I, I, just, I wish I just it could know get that better. Technically, you're, you, if you beat a team, it doesn't hurt your SOS because that game isn't put into the SOS because you don't want to hurt your number because you beat them type thing. But I know what your point is. My, I just my, mean if you're regionally ranked, you're right, probably absolutely. a recipe. Yeah. My, my question, you bring up pairwise. I've heard rumblings about this. We know it's on the ice hockey side of things. I don't fully understand pairwise, but I have heard rumblings that it could be it's being mixed and bantied and whatever you want to say within Division Three. Do you have an understanding of what pairwise is and exactly how it measures and outside of hockey, how it would measure in basketball? What's, what's its role? How does it work? I d don't know enough to be able to speak intelligently on it. I do know that there is no guesswork. You know, when I was at UW Stevens Point, our, our men's hockey team knew right where they sat all year long. So there, once the tournament came, they knew as soon as that championship game was over if they're in or they're not. And it's just, it takes all the subjectivity out. Now, it, it doesn't really create, you know, then do you need a committee probably to, th to put on a championship? But, you know, there's just, 
Well, there still and might be some head-to-head in some of those factors, right? Yeah, I don't know. How, and that's why I think I think that that's where a lot of the questions come in is because it's a hockey thing right now, how does that look in a sport like basketball or volleyball? And so I think the champs committee has said that they they're going to run some other sports and tournaments to kind of see, to be Mm. able to get feedback from committees. And, you know, I don't think it's anything that's soon. Um, but I think it's worth investigating. I think it's worth looking into. Do you, as you understand, I I appreciate you, you probably know only a smidge more than I do. And I don't know much about it at all, but, and and actually I got my math guys chirping on the side a little bit, but my Uh question to you about it is, is it, an RPI type system? Is it taking your win loss and your strength of schedule and all that? And kind of the best example I have for anybody in Maine's going to laugh at this. The heel point system in Maine was basically that type of system. Is that what we're looking at? That it's literally a, a metric that can take all of this criteria we're talking about and spit out and say, here you go. I'll be honest. We got, they presented on it to us at the champs meeting in the fall. And I just, I don't know. I, I oh, that's fine. I that's that, no, and, and listen, that was in the fall. You weren't focused on having that be your your next system, yeah. so it's not like you had to understand it backwards. And listen, I've even been in hockey and seen how they say, well, those those teams in the middle in the no man's land in ice hockey, it doesn't work for them. It it, it doesn't represent them fairly. So I do know there's been oh. criticism of it, gotcha. but I. But then it's from their perspective. So is it an accurate? Sure. Is it an accurate cr- criticism? I don't know, and, and that's. Yep. But again, I've heard the pairwise conversation before, so I find that interesting. Um, and again, things evolve, so maybe that's where this evolves to in the future. Uh, Megan, I've had a lot of your time. I really appreciate it. I know you had a long drive back um, after a long uh, weekend in Indy. I know all you all you guys were doing was just having nice uh, dinners and enjoying your, each other's company. Yeah. There wasn't any really hard work out there. Um, again, championships uh, headed towards Dallas with the semifinals at Trinity, Connecticut, uh, prior to that. And um, thanks for all the time you've given us uh, and all of the all the work and, and frank answers. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure, but hopefully maybe we'll get you on another committee or they talk you into a third year as chair. But in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? I just want to thank you, Dave, for having me on for the Sweet Six – or the Sweet 16, the Top 16 show. Sure. Um all the work that you do for division three um and just congratulations to all the teams um it's such an exciting time of year um so as real as all that excitement is so is a disappointment to those that that didn't get in and um it's probably still tough to swallow but it's a tough process and um you know unfortunately or fortunately we can only select teams based on the criteria that we have and um, we really felt like we had some consistency. We felt like we put together a good bracket. We're excited about the staggered start times. We're super excited about a joint championship. So there's just so many great things for D3 women's basketball this year, and I can't wait to watch some good games. Yeah, no, enjoy it. Um, it, it is going to be exciting. Dallas is going to be great. Uh, I can't wait for that experience for those student-athletes. Uh, I, I, as I said earlier in the show, Indianapolis was fun to experience. I think nothing against the men. The women have the great opportunity where all three can be in the same building, and it just has a different feel to it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to having hearing how that all turns out. Thanks again for the time. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Get some rest, and we'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks, Dave. Megan Wilson joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her time. 
Um, listen, I don't think there's a lot to quibble about on the women's side. Yeah, we, we selected someone other than Wartburg, but uh, I didn't see a major problem with why Wartburg um, didn't or it did get in versus somebody else. And listen, gave us good answers on that. Sometimes we'll get a committee chair come on and go, well, I can't really tell you why we chose that. She flat out did. And I, and credit to Megan for doing so. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, I believe we're going to get Sarah Quadraki on uh, to talk about the men's team. I think she is finally back from her travels. We'll get her on and then uh, wrap up the show after that. But by the way, Pairwise mentioned in that conversation, I have definitely been hearing rumblings about Pairwise for a little bit of time. It has not been something I could definitely talk on because it's not a reality. But I do know it's been presented. I do know it's been a conversation. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of the sports committees in Division Three want it. Interestingly enough, I, I think some of the bigger ones are a little bit leery, but not in bad reason. I think they want to understand how it truly measures because God forbid we walk down that road, get into it, and be halfway through, and all of a sudden somebody says, this isn't measuring things right. This isn't doing what we wanted to. And now we're selecting teams based on a criteria that doesn't work. So I understand being leery. You want to make sure the system is accurate. All right, so we'll take a break. When we, Like I said, we'll be back. Hopefully, Sarah Quadraki will join us. We'll try and answer some of your questions as well. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. And Sport Tours International from the WBCA NABC Studios. Actually, before I go, I, I should definitely... Hold on. I, I want to give the NABC some credit. We did not do enough of it uh, on the show uh, last night, and that is that is that is my fault. Uh, so we're going to give them a little bit of love here as we speak. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier bas- uh, professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice of coaches on a national issues while advancing. The core values of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's NABC1927. We'll take another break. Be back in a bit. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. And once again, our thanks to the NABC and the WBCA for their support. Also, big thanks to Sport Tours International. We talk about missing out on the tournament and maybe improving your um, resume. Sport Tours International and D3Hoops.com have this wonderful event in Las Vegas called the D3Hoops.com Classic. It's an annual event at South Point Casino and Hotel and their wonderful arena. If you want to improve your resume, give us a call. Uh, we'll get you in touch with Sport Tours International, our good friends who put on that event with us. And we will get you to Vegas, whether it's next year or the year after. Oswego men are coming next year, for example. Um, it will help your resume, and we hope it will help you uh, not have that situation of miss now in the tournament because of it. Reminder, we have our, our fundraiser going. Closing in on getting to our goal, but we're not quite there yet. So help us out. Venmo information on the screen. Also, give butter information. If you want to send a check or you want to send uh, via Zelle, like a, a bank transfer, let us know. We'll send you that information as well all right let's talk men's committee now um sarah quadraki has been traveling all day and avoiding me at all costs which i don't blame her you don't really want to deal with me sometimes but joining us on the huddle hoopsville hotline is the aforementioned quadraki of the sarahs and uh sarah i'll start off with this other than you avoiding my phone calls today um i am curious about something why were we right and you were wrong in the selections i'm sorry what yeah, I know. I'm just, <laughs> no. <laughs> what? No, I, I, I figured I'd give it a whirl. i see if maybe yeah, we could get it. No. Um, when it came well, down to the end, know. one thing we said yeah. on the show, and I know you probably didn't hear it. We, we mentioned it a bit last night, and, and you were probably traveling today. One thing I mentioned was this year seemed much more difficult. Maybe that's what you were alluding to when we were chatting prior to the show and you threw out the gauntlet that we couldn't hit 20 out of 20. Thanks so much for that. Was because of all of the bubble all the bid thieves we didn't notice until the end when we were done talking about resumes and we looked at last year's resumes of who was still at the table that bar moved way up in terms of win-loss percentage sos and all of that there were teams sitting on that table that would have been long gone last season yeah and i think um listen um Besides um, avoiding you at all costs today, Dave, um, you know, today's been really tough because unlike, you know, years past, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious there was probably um, a dozen teams today um, that all in their hearts believed that they were our 65th team. And that's really hard to swallow um, as our committee. And, you know, that's that's tough. So. Um, you know, that's not easy for any of us to deal with um, because that, and that's what I was trying to point out yesterday. Like 
that's why it was going to get hard because there was a grouping of teams that because of all those bubbles, we just knew it was going to go like this until kind of that very end. And then we were just going to have this gauntlet of teams and it was going to be like, oh my gosh, we only have to select, like, we have to select, you know, I'm not going to tell you how many, but you know, there was only a few that we could select out of this robust amount of teams and they all had very similar resumes like they all had something right one had more rros one had the highest sos one had a winning percentage and like that is so hard i mean and we're not just like sitting here just like having fun in the room and discussing all of this i mean we're like we know that that's the hopes and dreams of everybody that's out there and um, that won 22 games or 25 games or, you know, whatever that is. And so it's not a fun exercise. And we knew that it was going to come down to some really hard decisions. And so um, and that's what I think that's what I was trying to allude to. Yes. I think was that just yesterday? Um, <laughs> yeah, just yesterday when we were on um, that it was going to be really hard to choose those last couple teams because we had. 10 people voting. I knew our committee was not going to be able to vote um, unanimously the 60-14. Yeah. I knew that. Um, we weren't going to be able to come to a conclusion because um, that all of us were going to be like, yes, that's the last team. That's the last <laughs> team. And um, I mean, it just was like a really weird fit because unlike years past where like we talk and talk and talk and talk and then we just vote this year, uh, we just kept talking and no one wanted to vote. And it was because we just knew there was so many, like, it was like, ah, but there's all these teams. And so I think that's, what's been the hard part this year. Um, today, especially today seems like black Monday, right? It's like, oh my gosh, like, um, it's so exciting for our bracket and all of this, but like, it also feels like a very somber day for some, just because, um, you know, we know that we, you know, we couldn't take as many teams as possible. And at the end of the day, I heard some of Megan's, they have 19 at largest, we have 20. Um, that is very difficult. Um, well, very, technically very they have difficult. 20 with a pool B, but yeah, I mean, the pool B is kind yeah. of a, yeah, mark, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's very hard. So when, you know, we're seeing comments, like you didn't take the best teams, we know we know that there's still really good yeah. teams out there we know that there's still good teams out there that you know aren't going to go to basketball practice tomorrow that they're not preparing and um that's what's really hard about our process um it's not fair the criteria but like this is how we are like it's a regionalized process but we say it's a national bracket yeah well okay so and that's, that's true and in that's a lot of thing. things like, like, yeah, and I mean, we didn't we didn't make it up. Like we didn't all sit in a room and make this up over the last year. And you know, the student athletes, you know, hear, um, you know, they only hear what's happening on their campus. And I think it's very important to realize, like, you know, we we didn't just like not choose somebody because we didn't think they were good enough. You know, we yeah. we know they were good enough to be in the tournament. It's just there was only so many spots. So, um, I think that's that's just what's been so difficult. So, um. But yeah, I mean, if we want to talk bracket, let's talk bracket. Um, I think our bracket um, this year, um, obviously, you all have seen the bracket. Um, 
I think it was well worth the wait. Yeah, we had a little bit of wait. Um, I didn't get my 10,000 tweets. I was really hoping to get the 10,000 tweets. Um, from the yeah, D3 you didn't compete. come close. Yeah, I was just going to start live <laughs> tweeting this sucker out. I was just going to go pod by pod. And um, I was just going to start in the middle and have people ask, like, oh, I wonder what seed this is. But um, but no, our bracket, um, you know, we this year is so heavily um, centered in the Northeast, um, Mid-Atlantic and that Ohio area. And so it made bracketing a little bit tougher um, than normal. Let me uh, uh, I, I want I got some questions on bracketing, but I do want yeah. to circle back. I know you're trying to avoid it, but I do want to uh, just quick question. Uh, I, I can uh, still uh, avoid, Dave. You can ask him. Uh, you, you can but avoid, can, but at least you know Megan answered, answered some questions. Yeah. I'm just saying Megan, Megan answered yeah. them. Well. Listen, we we selected Rochester. And, and I had a whole soliloquy about why I had trouble with it, because the SOS seemed to be pulling so hard in another direction. How, As a committee chair, when you take – I'm going to do this in a different way. As a committee chair, when you take questions from coaches, administrators, et cetera, and there is this conversation about SOS and win-loss and all of that, admittedly, I know a vast majority of Division three schools, they can't get the schedule Rochester gets. And some of that was – Maybe a little bit of dumb luck, and and some of it is the fact that the conference rose to the occasion this year too. There's a lot of factors, but how do you I mean, balance a conversation with those individuals to explain? Yes, you need to improve your SOS, but we understand you can't get all the way there, and so we pick a school that is a unicorn that is very difficult for anybody yeah. to achieve. How do you? What's that conversation like to try? and explain to those who just can never achieve that yeah it, it that one it's tough um we can talk about rochester uh for the whole off season <laughs> and that's yes, um but at the end of the day they went out um you know coach went out and scheduled um he knows the ins and outs of this process better than anybody. And um, he went out and uh, he manufactured an SOS. And, but he, he, won, like, he won the games that probably got him in the tournament. I mean, he had, he had more games than just his conference uh, mm -hmm. all rows. So, um, you know, a lot of people want to knock UAA schools, but, you know, Rochester had wins in that RRO, RRO column that they went out and played in the non-conference schedule against other regions across the country. They traveled, they hosted tournaments, they brought um, teams to them. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, they had the most in the country. Um, and they, you know, I don't know. You know, Would there have been a point where they weren't considered? Yeah, probably. Probably. They get dangerously close to that point? Probably. Yeah. I was just curious. Because yeah. I think there, I mean, we do see sometimes teams at 500 who have godly SOS numbers and they're never considered. And I, and I was wondering yeah. if, how close do we get to that point I mean, where you pull the record? Since I've been on the committee, we've had at least one of these teams every year, um, where we go round and round and round and round. But this one was, this one was different because of, 
the highest in those two categories. And I know that that's hard to consume for some people because of the winning percentage. And a lot of people say, well, you still have to win the games. They did win the hardest of their games. Like, But one would also to- argue, just for devil's ag- devil accuracy, they also lost some of those. They did. Like, yeah, they beat they Case. They also lost a Case. Yeah, they did. I, just for devil, I mean, that was part of my argument last night was, yeah. yes, I agreed. And I mentioned it on the selection show. It might be a second-round matchup against Middlebury. That might have been the game that helped them get in. I did. I saw that comment, yeah. I mean, it's fair. And, and again, I don't want to go round and round. I thought Bob had some great points about it earlier today. We don't need to go down the drain too far because I think the the point's been made. Let's pivot to bracketing. Yeah. Um, Wow. I am going to start with this one. Did you get – have you gotten any pushback? for sending the Skyac teams all the way to the East Coast? Um, not yet, and I'll tell you why. I mean, we were really, really hampered with uh, very few uh, schools that could host in the Midwest with a lot of teams that we couldn't move around. Hmm. Um, and, and that's another thing, you know, we can't manufacture flights where we just want to manufacture flights. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's not that people tell us what we can do with flights, but we can't just manufacture a flight. And so I'm sure we'll talk about the Texas pod. At oh, some point. just writing but, something down about uh, that. But yeah, but so, um, you know, we were really, really hampered with like, we just had like a cluster of these Midwest teams and where we were going to put in the central of the. Um, so what we. And another thing we did was really uh, try to stay true to um, trying to mix in the region. So we actually have this tool that we use, the spreadsheet, where we log in the regional ranks for the teams and get a, like, mm. a cumulative score for each pod and then for each section oh, and then each side of the, at each side of the bracket. Um, we obviously don't you know, release that. I mean, you all could do that on your own, too, if you wanted to at the end of the day. But that's how we kind of like try to balance out, um, you know, things. And so we really were trying to do that. Um, there was a couple that we just got stuck in. Okay. But that's how we were really trying to make this, um, puzzle work. Um, but it was, it's a great tool to kind of really, you know, help us, you know, make a difference in moving around these regions. Um, but that's how, that's how we start building the bracket, um, is, is moving around teams, um, try to get different regions, you know, involved in these pods. And so it was just really tough. Um, with some of the upsets um, and not being able to fly a team into Texas, that hurt. Um, and then obviously flying teams, you always want to fly them to a major airport. Um, and then when we slowly started filling up the Midwest type pods, we had all these open spots on the East Coast near major airports. Um, and so to try to balance out some matchups and not try to make, you know, just like crazy matchups either where we're putting, you know, you know, a, you know, two lower, lower seeds, you know, against each, you know, that type of, you know, mix, you know, that's just kind of where, um, it ended up. We also, you know, we're always kind of 
you know, and this is no dig at like an Emory, but we're, we're always kind of used to having like an Emory pod. So that was always like another like kind of Southern location. We didn't have that one in play this year. Um, and that always kind of helped us kind of, that was always kind of like our gap from like the, you know, that like the two regions and we just didn't yeah. have that this year. Um, and so there was just a lot of things at play that, um, you know, that we just, you know, we really just tried to maneuver. And like I said, the Texas pod, once it became four Texas teams, it was like, uh, like, yeah, uh, I was wondering, Shriner kind of threw a monkey wrench into that by, yeah, by, like, I mean, that's good, not a like, knock on them. Yeah, Great job. Good, good for them. But yeah. once it became four Texas teams, it was like, oh, no, like, yeah, you've got and no that's the thing where I was saying, like, we can't manufacture a flight because that would then become too, like, so, you know, um, yeah, that one becomes two. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what people need to understand. Like, I hate, like I'll say, like, I hate that pod. I don't think any of us wanted that pod. I mean, everybody hates that pod, you know? Um, but I hope that, I hope that we sell that place out. I hope that that's becomes a great place. I hope that's a great environment. I hope we turn that on, you know, and we've got two Texas teams having a great environment on Saturday night. Um, you know, Mary Harden Baylor, whoever it is. I mean, I hope that that becomes, and we just kind of turn it into a positive. Maybe that's what I'm hoping, uh, because they're all right there. Um, but curious about it, because the regional rankings have come out. Yeah, St. Thomas is yep. one. Yeah, yeah. Mary Harden Baylor's we, two. I, we've already had discussions, um, and you know, I I haven't I haven't talked to them. Um, our, our regional rep and um, Region Ten has. Um, but that, that's a, that's a part of the discussion that we had since we had four Texas teams. Um, they're all within, you know, it's like 280 miles, um, with very large fan bases. We're hoping that's going to be a really great experience. So it was more um, about maybe a, a, a size of facility, be able to maximize the opportunity for fans. Yeah. That's not always on front and center. But I, uh-huh. I can understand it. We know that St. Thomas is a bit on the small side, and we know Mary Harden Baylor's mm-hmm. got a sizable facility. Now, would you consider moving it to the football stadium? Hey, just just they a wanna, thought. They want to sell that out. Let's. Oh, if they sold that out, you yeah. better move it to the football stadium, and that yeah. will pay for the next five. Yeah, tournaments. I mean, I I knew that that was going to bring some question, and um. You know, I know Doc and, and their administration had a conversation today, and I, I know that, um, you know, I know that that was probably hard, but, um, yeah. you know, and we can we can work through that. But, you know, that was a unanimous decision by our committee. Interesting. I appreciate that. Thank you for that info. Um, Pomona Pitzer at Williams, or not at Williams, I apologize. Pomona Pitzer playing Williams, uh, being at St. Joseph. There's just... That's one of an example of a lot of things going on. One, you're flying a, a Skyac team to the West Coast. Two, you kind of have a little fun there with some really good academic institutions. Um, and three, St. Joseph's being rewarded, despite the loss at the end there, uh, for the season that they had. And, and you're bringing in uh, Chatham as well. I, tell me a little bit, is, is a microcosm of everything else, is that just the idea of, again, that, that math first of trying to make sure you have a pod that's equal, but second – trying to be as creative as possible and find as many options as you can within the guidelines? Yep, try to find as many options. Also, I don't think it's a secret there. Um, you know, we were trying, 
we had to get really creative. Um, if you look through all of our other three pods, um, all of those three pods, um, the second weekend becomes you know pretty clear on where people can go. That yeah. pod, um, you know, we we would if uh, that one's Newport, wide open. Christopher and Christopher Newpark could not um, host um, this first round um, because of the women have priority. So we've kind of set that up to where um, if they should come out of that um, pod, then they would have um, the priority to host in the second weekend. We asked Megan this, uh, that Christopher Newport pod at Hamden, Sydney almost seemed like a gift with the fact that they couldn't host your in hers, it was New NYU. Couldn't host. You could send it to Messiah. That allows Greensboro to enter the, the equation and have a great little matchup there. You've got Christopher Newport being able to take on um, Farmingdale State, but you get Emory to Hampton, Sydney. But that also looked like it puts you in a pickle because if you're going to protect your seed, you get Farmingdale State, which, by the way, I'm surprised was 500 miles, but I haven't checked it myself. But then you get this Hampton Sydney Emory battle that didn't seem ideal. But it feels like that well, one you got you got pigeonholed in. We got, yeah, we got stuck there. So that was one of the pods we had. Two pods where we couldn't mix the regions. That was one of them. Um, and then our other one was the Wheaton pod where we only had two regions represented. We had a region eight and region nine there, and that's just because we got stuck with teams. Um, yeah. So those, those were our only two. Um, where we it's just because of emory was the outlier there um you know we were really close to unfortunately having to fly them but Hampton city was the only place they can get to um and then that was the closest place we could allow for um christopher newport to go for to host for them and protect the seat you know to kind of have a seated um type you know game for them and then obviously um you know that first shark game with farmingdale state so um but yeah i mean that one uh, i think it's already been said i've seen it somewhere you know yeah that would be three flights but it'd be three flights into um into christopher newport so well right it, it right unless something were to drastically change uh, it definitely yeah. feel like you were kind of not then it's kind of wide and then it's kind of wide open we'll fly fly somewhere else i guess i don't yeah. know um uh, yeah that one that one's our wild card i mean our only charge is to you know deal with the flights in the first round and then you can't predict games so we was, just fly like was wash you geography what's up was wash you a geography decision because they're behind North Park in the rankings, it looked like because Swanee can get again same conversation. Yeah. Swanee can get yeah. to Wash U. You set it up yeah. for geography. Yeah. Okay. With that yeah, in mind, the only place. Yeah, that's the only place that Swanee could get to. Yep. With that in mind, Oswego. Is that a geography equation where you can get Albertus Magnus and John Carroll there, or did John Carroll actually play themselves out of a host by losing in the semifinals? Well, yeah, they finished third in the region. Okay. <laughs> Good point. I, I, I forgot about the third in the region part. But at the yeah. same time, again, it feels like it, it filled in a geography op- opportunity for you. It did. Um, were you worried about rematches too early? Um, Rochester, Middlebury is one that jumps out. Obviously, you had the no, Texas I mean, one. Yeah, 
there's there's a couple that we could see in the in the in the second rounds, but um, you know, we had a couple last year too, you know, in the second rounds. But again, we can't predict, you know, can't necessarily predict those either. So yeah, no, I can appreciate that. I yeah. I just was mainly curious. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. how it all played out. Listen, there's a lot to dive into and a lot that's fascinating. I'm sure you've taken lots of phone calls, um, answered most of them, not all of them. Uh, I'm kidding. Staggered times. Every 15 minutes, obviously on purpose. Did you get any pushback from from uh, anybody about those? Like the hosts, you mean? Yeah, like hosts are worried about oh. turnaround time or anything like that. Or they, or is everybody at this no. point pretty much know that's how this works? Yeah, and that's that's in their bid. They just have to click that they can host anywhere from. Ah, know, okay. First to the last, yeah. So that language has changed a little bit. Got it. Yeah. Um We have four Central Time, four Central Time hosts, so we gave them the later later times and then worked sure. from there. No, I think it's cool. I, I, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, we talked to Megan. She brought up the fact that we were talking about, you know, she said that this selection process maybe isn't the best. It's certainly better than what we've had. Uh, listen, we all remember, well, some of us remember the QOWI days and some of us remember the yeah. pre-QOWI days. And as we joked with you two ladies, we've definitely moved past the old boys network. Yeah. She brought up the fact that maybe there's a way of changing things. She talked about whether pairwise was something that Division Three is is debating yeah. and discussing. From your perspective, is this a system that we can continue to massage and improve and work with, or is there a new system like a pairwise that that might be worth putting our toe in the water on? I mean, I think the champs committee is going to choose pairwise regardless of what. <laughs> we think or not fascinating um, okay i mean i think all of us here and you know we all and a lot of us think that you know you know the world just revolves around division three basketball right and it, it, well, there's course. so many other of course. <laughs> there's so many gosh darn it so, yeah there's so many other sports and i think um yes. there's so many eyes on us and uh you know, this process that we have because it's, it, we are so, I mean, uh, we're so transparent in the process. I, you know, I don't see a lot of other uh, sport chairs, like just getting on and talking about it and taking heat, answering I questions. I would love and, to change that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see this a lot. And so. And we appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I think that's why this is so like, um, it's just so it's just such a hot topic right now. And look, yeah. if they go to para, we're going to if they go to Parawise, we're going to have an issue with that too cuz now we're going to be like the computer's got it wrong. This is so horrible. And then they're going to want the humans step in and make a decision, right? All right. The humans have to flip it. And so I I haven't seen. I heard I think Megan said, "Yeah, they did they did mention it. They never showed us, but then I have heard that maybe they put in our they put in our data from last year's tournament, and it was like all but one or something. They didn't tell us which one. Um, but argumentatively, that doesn't that just proves you did the same thing the humans did. That doesn't mean it's a better system necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. Um, so I don't know, but it's like I guess they they still put in the same criteria. Not changing the criteria. Like I don't think they're changing the criteria at all. I think they're just like maybe putting in the same criteria and letting computers do the work. I don't know. So it's basically like huh. if you were doing it, Dave. Um, so I don't know. Um, 
I'm, a, you know, I'm available. I, yeah, so I don't I don't know what they're doing. Um, Interesting. But I think they still have committees. I think you and I have talked. It's like this. It'd be like the same as like the only thing I can think of is like when I was on the golf committee, we had golf stats. So like we'd get on our rap calls and we'd get on our national calls with like, you know, golf stat. It's like, oh, does this look right? Actually, no, there was a head to head. So we need to put right. these two teams or flip these two um, women in this, you know, in the individual standings, you know, something like that. So um, I still think there would be some sort of human element. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I would um, hope if I wouldn't mind a system that helps. Yeah, I wouldn't if it want helps, to, perfect. Yeah, right. But, but I wouldn't want a system that like rubber stamps it. Yeah. Yeah. If it helped with consistency or um, at least maybe a balance of these numbers. Yeah, but I don't like the idea that it rubber stamps things. I, I, I'm going to have to dive into it in the off season. I think it'll be something that's, that's going to turn into an off season project yeah. a little bit. I mean, I think it would be better if we just had, you know, if we could just have more teams or bigger bracket or. Oh, uh, then somebody will still complain. You know how this works. I know. I know. Um, I thought there was another question, but I've lost it. Uh, we've taken enough of your time anyway. If I remember it, we'll maybe ask you off air and, and get back to you on it and uh, get back to the answer. But uh, I appreciate the time. And Oh, I, I know what it was. Sorry, real quick. From a production perspective, it is a tight turnaround to try, as we explained at the beginning of the show, to get that bracket show on the air, which is why there were problems. There were you take one hiccup and the window's gone. Is there any talk about changes or at least something to either get games off a of Sunday, earlier Sunday, so you can get your work done, so it can be done sooner, or maybe even, I don't know. You know, man, <laughs> all I'm gonna say is we were done at like seven forty-five last night. So what? Yeah, <laughs> Megan, you should have come on the show. And given us the selection so we could have been perfect. We could have been, I, I mean. So in other words, you we, sat back and laughed at us the rest of the night. Yeah, we were done. Mm. I was not, we were just in there. I was helping Jimbo. We were doing ref assignments. We were hanging out. Like Any women yeah. that, women assigned? Um, I have a couple surprises. A couple surprises for you, Dave. Well, this is a perfect place to tell those surprises. Yeah, just... You'll see. I got some surprise. I got, I'll have some surprises for you this week. Oh, I got animals going crazy here. I don't know if you can. Hear All right, that, so. we'll let you yeah. go on that then, as long yeah. as you give us the surprises. We do I thought- have a, we do. We'll have a couple. We got a couple. Couple more. I am. You know, I, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be uh, my last year on this committee if I didn't have a couple more surprises. You know, heading into this last weekend. So keep all right. Out. Yeah, at a couple different, couple different locations. We're gonna have a couple different things going on so i want to um, know about them i'm letting you off the hook with the understanding that you're going to let me know about them. they will be live on we won't let ncaa.com uh break the news but uh um, we'll let uh, yeah we'll let we'll uh I'll, I'll post it out hashtag d3 hoops i'm sure no. y'all will get it then. no 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 just give them to me and i'll send them out come on this is how this symbiotic symbiotic relationship works yeah we have we'll have we'll have some uh breaking news on friday couple different locations all right i'll look forward to it well thank you as always we give the guests the final word and i suggest you use the final word just to break that news now but go ahead and use it however you you wisely choose (laughs) no we do we've got um again we have 16 great hosts this weekend um i know there's been um a lot of ifs ands buts 
But at the end of the day, we have got 64 um, teams in the tournament, student athletes with a great opportunity here to have their one shiny moment. And in a couple weeks, we are going to uh, have a national champion in Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne is one of the greatest hosts for this championship. We cannot wait to get there. We cannot wait to have our first tip on Friday. Um, thank you to the D3 Basketball Committee. Uh, thanks for supporting all that we do. Um, appreciate you. We love the criticism, the support. We love all the laughs, the smiles, the tweets. We love it all. Um, maybe next year you'll go 20 for 20 with the computers. Oh. I don't know. I don't hey, know. Hey, we'll we've done 20 for 20 before. We're yeah. capable. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll Usually be Usually we're able to you. glean more information, which would be yeah. helpful. Yeah. I'll be on the show with you. Um, I love that. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be off the committee. Hold on, on writing it down. Yeah. Sarah <laughs> on yeah. mock committee. Yeah. It is set, folks. Yep. We're just gonna have there to kick go. Bob Quillman or Matt Snyder or somebody else <laughs> off. No, I'm kidding. We'll keep we'll we'll bring you in on top of that. No, we'd all love right. to I have you. We'd you love to have former committee members. I will see you all in Fort Wayne. Definitely. Have a great weekend watching games. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, sir. Take care. Right. Really appreciate the time. Get some rest. Thank you. Bye bye. See ya, Sarah Quadraki joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Um, we'll get Pat on here in just a moment. Um, in the meantime, I, I told you we would play our reactionary piece, um, and we will do so right now. But thanks, uh, by the way, got another donation. Really appreciate that. Our number has gone up. I don't know if we have more. We'll, we'll add to the total. Um, but I really want to uh, thank those of you who've uh, contributed. Oh, there is another one, so we're going to have to up the total in the meantime. But we told you there was a reactionary piece from a bunch of those who sent in videos to us about uh, their reactions of teams, whether they knew they were in the tournament or they did not. Sit back and enjoy five and a half minutes of absolute awesomeness. Washington earns that 
Back champs in the Little East Conference after winning their sixth tournament title and fifth in the last eight years. Last year they knocked out previous national runner-up in the first round, so they'll be ready for anything, especially against the Baruch Northwestern, the AQ after And that game will be played at King State. Obviously, it resulted in a home game, that's great. I think we all know it's not about that, right? Uh, we got a job to do. We got six games to win. We're going to play our best in back to back nights. That's how we went to Indiana. That's what we talked about ever since going out to Swarthmore and losing to Oswego, right? But being our best in back to back nights. You know, one opportunity to do it is playing our best game of the season. This weekend, we're playing our best game of the season. Out of campus here, wherever we are, we're playing our best back to back six times in a row. Let's go. Let's go! Family all three, love all six. One, two, three. Four, five, six. Keep staying. Pretty cool experience to watch that. Keen State at the end with uh, Ryan Kane alluding to the fact, hey, remember last year we went to Swarthmore, won the first game, and then not so great in the second. It's about every game. Pretty good stuff. Pat Coleman now joining me back on the Huddle Hoopsville hotline. By the way, thank you to all of you who have contributed 
We're officially over $7,000 now on our campaign. Nice. Thanks in part, if you don't mind, sir, to uh, thank you as well. for your Yeah, time. absolutely. I mean, obviously, we support this show in many ways, and yes. financially has, has <laughs> been one of them as well. Um, and it seemed like a good time to maybe make good on that annual uh, uh, vague, undefined dollar amount, commi- <laughs> dollar amount commitment that we had generally. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's kind of you know where does the budget sit in any given year kind of yeah thing. no that that i can appreciate um i know the budget conversations in my home for example um first and foremost uh i thought those were some interesting conversations maybe i need to get the chairs on when they're tired a little bit more often um, well I, that's interesting i always feel like uh i felt like with sarah especially you were just kind of continuing to badger her when i felt like she was Tired, you know, and as you said, it's been a long day for both of them. I mean, Dave, you have had tired um, tired committee chairs on before and gotten absolutely nothing out of them. No, I could name true. names, but I will be polite and not name names. So, um, <laughs> you know, oh, oh, did you hear which one that was? Um, but in all seriousness, right, uh, you, you talked about, um, you know, them just being transparent with stuff. And we had... You know, we've had similar situations over on the football side of the house. Some years we get good transparent information. Some years we get people who, you know, I, I, you know, talked to football committee chairs in the past. And I felt like they didn't understand how the process worked. Yeah. And that was disappointing because they're in charge of how the process works. So in that case, you know, you're thankful for a liaison like J.P. Williams, who really knows how the process works and can figure those sorts of things out. Um, so, yeah, obviously, um you know, disappointing that Megan Wilson will be not the chair next year. Um, I DM'd her on Twitter and said, you know, she is welcome to join the football committee if she can get on the football committee. I think she'd be a great ad over there um, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, are they going to be able to handle someone who thinks that way? <laughs> uh, I, first off, I think absolutely. Uh, you know, be that's, a uh, that's a... It's an interesting committee over there. Yes. Uh, um, I, I won't say anymore. Uh, but I, I thought they've done a very good job. Um, you know, you got a straight answer about why Warburg is in the field. And no one that I can remember has ever given a straight answer as to why Team 64 got in the field. The and only, that one, is, I can, um, the only yeah. one I can think of is Mike DeWitt. Yeah. He might have been the good. only one. Who came close? If he did or didn't, I know he gave us first in, first or first last in, last out. Um, but no, you're right. She flat out gave us. Here's why we did it, and I and I think that's and I listen to some degree. I don't see a problem with saying that. I, I don't know why no, some committee be. members hide that. Right, there really shouldn't be. I mean, all of the information is out there for us. You know, we, you know, we first off, like we said earlier in the show. We knew Warburg was one in six against regionally ranked opponents. That was the weak spot in the resume. Um, and, you know, the fact that one of the wins was against the number two in the region was apparently all it took. I mean, Dave, they played that number two team in the region, Loris, three times. And they only beat him once. Um, but I guess that's uh, I guess that was enough that, you know, we would have yeah. our committee. Our committee would have done it differently and did do it differently. Yeah. And, and listen, every year could be different. I mean, next year, Warburg might not make it. Um, and Megan may still be sitting on that committee, just not as a chair. Um, right. And, and who knows? And again, it depends on, on the resumes that are also at the table with them. There's so many factors that change on a yearly basis, which is why getting 20 for 20 
is not the easiest thing in the world because even if we knew the process cold, the resumes are always different. The um, women, the men's committee was done at seven. Yeah, seven, seven forty-five, something. Yeah, right. Like what? Wow. I think the last time I remember a committee wow. getting done at a reasonable time was maybe Jeff Burns's committee, and it wasn't seven o'clock. Wow. Um, yeah, that's. And that's and by when the way, people play in their championship games at four o'clock on Sunday. For goodness sakes. It also gets to the point of you know okay so send that to the uh, production team so they can start working on it. <laughs> Just a thought. Uh, so the other conversation that came up there was the idea of where's the next evolution. Megan just flat out said it. She, you know, she doesn't think this is, I don't want to say she doesn't think it's the right thing, but she definitely, I think feels that it's time to evolve. And she's brought up pairwise. Sarah gave us some more information on that. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, I don't know enough about, I don't know enough about pairwise to give it, give a judgment here, but I am curious. No, not, not right. Not necessarily. Obviously, the hockey people love it quite a bit. Uh, Pairwise seems to do really well with hockey. Hockey, of course, is a sport, at least at the Division Three level, where there just aren't a lot of teams. Right? No. There's, you know, there's very few teams. They're actually not super interconnected. There's a big island of East teams. There's a big island of quote unquote West teams, which are really the teams around right. my part of the country. There's like two schools in like Michigan and Indiana to bridge the gap. That there's not a lot of interplay. Um, but, you know, the thing that we can do, <clears throat> as was alluded to, as Michelle Morgan alluded to on our football podcast a couple weeks ago, the the uh, AD at, J at John Carroll, uh, she said, you know, what you do is you need to model it. You need to take previous year's data, run through it, see what you get. And to me, hearing that it basically came up with the same solution, I think that's a positive. I don't think that's a negative. I don't think that makes it a wash. Think of all the work, Dave, that this committee uh, did to get to this point, right? Um, I think women's basketball, especially, but men's basketball has also evolved quite a bit to get here and to have a, a system where it's maybe made a little bit easier for them would certainly be helpful. Uh, I you think know, I'd, rather, I'd rather see it over a course of years and let me see what the the median is because, okay, one year, I don't know if that, that meant it, it just – it's got the same flaws that we didn't like or something, or if we see that it, it gets them almost every single year, right. And we, because every single year has fluctuations and how they're ruling it, then yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, oh shoot. Let's see. I By the way, there's 84 reading. men's ice hockey teams, 72 women's ice hockey teams. So a much smaller idea of, yeah. Of, and 60 division one men's ice hockey teams. Right. Um, yeah, it is, uh, you know, ranked by a point total. Uh, it uses a team's RPI. It uses head-to-head -head wins between the teams if they are available. It uses common opponents, uh, and then it creates a uh, it creates a ranking between those two teams. And then you could do it for all sixty men's ice hockey teams at D one, or you know, what would we do if we went from Randolph Macon to I don't know, Finlandia or wherever it is at the bottom of Division Three men's basketball. That'd be very interesting to see what it can do, what it might do with all of that data, because there's a lot of data. But, you know, even in, you know, in men's, we talked about hockey being weird, men's basketball, Division Three basketball in general. There's not a lot of interconnected play either. So come to Las Vegas and play in the D3hoops.com classic and get yourself some, uh, 
some yeah. inter-regional matchups that'll help you there. Absolutely. I would be interested to see how that goes, and I, I hope that they would make some of those um, some of those mock runs public or yes. accessible to people. But transparency, man. The more we can have, the better. I, I, I listen. We can talk about other committees that just don't aren't transparent. It, it only helps you. Uh, and I think in this case, we want to understand how the system, if you evolve to that system, and it's according to Sarah, sounds like Champs Committee is all gung ho about it. If if it's going to be that system, so be it. But tell us how it works, why it works, show us the data behind it, other than just one year. Give us give us a sense. All right, let's go. I'm all on board. Um, I think because, listen, we, we, we jumped right into QOWI because we thought it was a much better system, and then we realized after the fact, uh-oh, this isn't as great as well, we thought it was. QOWI gave us some information. QOWI came about because we didn't really have a computer system that right. could help the committee do big math on the fly. And so what they did was they appointed – they. Uh, assigned a point total to a value to each game, depending on what the opponent's record was, whether it was a win or loss, whether it was home away or neutral. And that was something that could be done. Um, You know, before we went to the pool system, they modeled the pool system. I was sitting at the, uh, at the 1999 final four in Salem and watching the committee on Thursday afternoon while teams are practicing, working with this big map, literally a map of the United States attached to a piece of uh, cardboard or poster board and they had pins in it and everything. And I asked them what they were doing. It's like, this is what the next thing is going to be. And this was the pool system. It was going to be, you know, no longer uh, tied to six teams from each region going to the playoffs. The at-large bids would be allocated nationally. And that was that was a crazy thing to talk about in 1999. Uh, but they modeled it, and they eventually made it work. Maybe not so well the first couple of years, but they got there. Um Change is good. I, you know, I for one am all for more math and less smoke-filled room. So, well, yeah. that's true. Uh, Megan Wilson tweeted at us. She's still listening to the show. Hi, Megan. Hello, um, Megan. <laughs> one of the concerns with pairwise is the number of teams, which is why we yeah. we would need to see the data for sports like basketball. Committees wanted to see what that would look like. I agree. Uh, yeah, and again, and then that's over right. a course of of several years maybe to see what the pattern is i would agree with you there the nice thing about basketball is that we have 25 contests 26 27 and we often have multiple contests between yep. teams i think that probably helps us with this sort of thing that's a good point um so then to go see it um with something like baseball which we deal with with about 380 teams and 40 games and you're so- often playing a team at least twice sometimes four times sometimes more um and then football Football is 240 schools or 230 because the NESCAC wouldn't even register in pairwise, I don't think. Um, and then, you know, they're only playing, you know, teams are only playing 10 games. What does it do with that? There is a wide range of things that it, that they, that it wants to be applied to, and then we need to go see what it actually does. So, Megan, I, I understand that you're listening, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, when you see those, uh, you know, those studies of previous year's brackets, uh, please feel free to uh, send some our way because we'd yes, be interested please. in looking at that as well. Um, um, yeah, we'd love to see that. By the way, uh, what was the other thing I spotted? Um, oh, shoot. I lost it. Where was it? There was something about, oh, soccer is kind of that hybrid. You, you've got. 
mm-hmm. kind of the basketball idea of a lot of games, but you have kind of the football mentality, not mentality, but some conferences don't play twice, some do. Uh, so you get a nice mix there. So you literally have a couple of them there in generality that could give you a lot of, of variety of information to see how on target that is. And and we, obviously we could go through lacrosse and volleyball and all those but those are the ones we know that would give good vo- uh, good data back on whether right. I think if you can find something that works for the the sports that are fully, uh, you know, incorporated across Division Three, that's men's and women's basketball, that's women's right. volleyball, that sort of thing. Most of the soccer soccer is generally widely adopted, and then you can also make it work for ice hockey and football, and some of the things that are completely different sports with different types of schedule. Yeah, I mean that's no, your, that's your magic bullet. Uh, that's your unicorn. We've been talking about again, unicorns, not to beat the dead horse, but more than one year. Because I keep hearing that oh, they ran the last year's data. And Mar- Sarah's not the only one who I've heard said that. Um, right, and, it and came Michelle back Morgan, great. okay, Michelle give me Morgan five years. Football show said you got to run multiple years. We yeah. agree with that. You got to have five. I'm making a number up, but you got to have multiple years to see if the if it's a, a pattern that holds. But Listen, if that's where we evolve, that's where we evolve. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I think it's an interesting conversation to be had. Overall, though, Pat, I mean, this is this is two pretty good brackets, and we're and we're yeah. quibbling over, you know, maybe the the men's side's a little bit more of a of a bigger conversation. But in the grand scheme of things, we're quibbling over one pick. The men's side, the bar was pretty high on the women's side. They had a lot of good teams, and we've got some pretty good brackets. Yeah, I think it's going to be an amazing tournament. Uh, I think, especially the men's tournament, we have talked all year about how, you know, how much parity there is across Division Three men's basketball. Um, you know, Randolph Macon is now unanimous number one. They've been creeping up over the course of the past several weeks, from you know six number one votes to ten to eleven, now twenty five. But, <laughs> but I mean. Look is what Randolph done. Bacon beatable? Randolph Bacon's beatable, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There, uh, you know, there could be all sorts of things. It could be one of those years where, you know, uh, the team that wins it all comes from, you know, number fifteen or further down. I think it'd be very interesting to see how this particular bracket turns out. And, you know, I think in women's basketball too, the depth in women's basketball probably has never been greater than it is right now. Maybe yes. we don't have quite as many people taking COVID, you know, years right now uh, in women's basketball than we do in some other sports. But, you know, those Fair. opportunities are still there. There's more depth on these teams and there's more depth on other teams. Um, I'd be very interested to see how that bracket plays out because so often, Dave, you and I know that bracket is often just chalk, 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 chalk. And I don't necessarily yeah. see that playing out that way this year. And I think it'll be fun to see what actually does happen. No, I do. I agree. I think that, yes, I, it's a lot of chalk sometimes on the women's side, which we end up with some bonkers good games late in the tournament. But I, I do think we're going to see a few more upsets this time around because I think it it's interesting because the, there's more parity, there's more depth at the top, even though some of the numbers in women's basketball are shrinking. It's an interesting dichotomy between the two. And on that the men's side, yes, Randolph-Macon, the fact they have not lost in conference – since December, I think, of 2020, is bonkers to me. And on top of the fact, I no, I don't think they're infallible. I think they can get to the Final Four, absolutely. But if they're not there, am I going to be surprised? No. No. I Don't ask me who I think is getting to the Final Four because pff, 
the the amount of ball bounces that are going to determine that is is mind blowing to me. By the way, another one that's crazy: Christopher Newport's lost one game since December 2019 on the women's side. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then the fact that Hope lost more this season than they had the previous three combined. I mean, there, there's some fascinating stats out there when you dive into this tournament. And again, anything's possible. Trinity, Texas knocked off Christopher Newport last season in in a surprising game. I think what's more interesting is the fact we have no Amherst in the tournament this year. Neither Amherst's. Neither. Yeah, neither of them are there. Uh, I'm sure GP Gromacki does not know what to do with himself right now. He's got a little bit of time on his hand that he's not familiar with. He's, you know, he's recruiting the bedaggles out of anything right now, no, right? That's probably what he's doing. You're right. You're, he's got two abs- or three extra weeks. He's at whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's maybe Fair. too soon for like AAU camps in California or whatever. But no, uh, that's a great point. Um, we also have it's UAA's return to the mix in both men and women. Remember, women last year only had one UAA team. Um, they've got three now. The men have five. Yeah. Um, yeah, more than half the league. One of the things we never talked about, and it's not part of the criteria, obviously, but, you know, U of R was sub 500 in conference play. Yeah, well, there's plenty on Twitter who would like to point that out to us. Oh, I know. I yeah. get that. I No, I, I was know. Surprised. Oh, let me say one more thing. Yep. I was surprised at how much our committee chairs are reading Twitter today. They saw comments on things that yes. I didn't even see. I didn't I mean, see either. I mean, but there obviously there is a uh, there's a lot of volume on Twitter uh, about sports, and yes. uh, this is a big day for that. So yeah. I get it. And and there's definitely things that slide by. Even if I've got a whole tweet deck slide open up here, I'll admit, even at one point today, I went, "Oh God, I got to turn this off." Just too much going on. Um, and you have uh, no nothing near you, which is another kind of oddity. You pointed that yeah. out earlier. I'm just so used to you having a game in your backyard. Do you have any thoughts on if you go anywhere this weekend? Or are you going to sit back and enjoy the fact you've got staggered starts across both genders to enjoy? Staggered starts, man. I'm loving it. Um, That's awesome. Trying to decide whether I just set up a shop downstairs where the desk is a little bigger, uh, two laptops, yep. four screens, basically. Um you can even split I, uh, the screens I up. A, I think it's a day to watch. Um, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Don't tell the football people I said that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it, but it is right. I mean, it's, it's nice to have this little bit of March Madness extended to the Division Three basketball family, as it has been in basketball over the past several years, and a, a little more formally in uh, women's basketball as well. So, I'm excited about that. I'm going to share this without a name attributed because I think it's fun, and I hope he doesn't uh, get angry at me, but no one's going to know since it's hidden on the screen. Here's my theory. I tried this when they were involved in things. I'll leave it at that. That way we can't narrow it down even. With 44 AQs, and granted, numbers down to, what, 42 now? Well, it's still still 44. Uh, Yeah, 44 both sides. Yes, okay. Sorry. Next year, next year, 42. Yeah, I was getting confused with last year. In D3, they need to go to 68 games like D1 and have play-in games. Most years, they'd have eight low-end AQs in the play-in games. Well, and so it'd be very interesting to see how D3 would handle play-in games like that. Would right? we indeed do that? Would we do it something where it is like last four at-large, last four AQs? Um, I kind of, you know, it's it from a pure... Bracket uh, 
from a pure bracket standpoint, right? It doesn't um, it, the way the D one does it doesn't make sense, right? But no. you don't want to stick all of your Stephen F. Austins or whatever no. in those in those uh, Tuesday night games in Dayton or whatever day of the week they get played on now. Um, and I don't think they'd want to do that at the Division three level either. But I could see, you know, we haven't done the math in a little while, right? So you know, we've been. We've, there's been a lot Women? of talk about football landlocked at 32 teams by rule, but uh, the bigger brackets, are, I believe, are landlocked by rule also at 64. So 64 times 6.5, 416. That is what we need to have. Have uh, 64 to have 68. We need to have 442, which we're not at, uh, no. not quite. But no. I mean, people are talking about it. there's. All sorts of conversations going on right now. People are also yeah. talking about changing this access ratio, making sure that the access ratio for at-larges is a little more equitable to the rest of it, which uh, someone has yet to explain the math to me. Um, I have a I have a former committee chair, a former championships committee chair, who texted me earlier this week, and I said, we have to talk about this, but not this week. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that conversation. Yeah. Um, Let me slide into so that a little combo. bit more about that because, like, that math is like football forty. Yeah. Uh, so if that's another twenty five percent of teams, then that is like basketball eighty teams or something. Is 80? 64 plus 16, 80. Yeah, eighty. Eighty teams would be interesting. We couldn't even do a selection show on the air. That would be like twelve hours to try to figure out thirty six at large teams. But uh, you know. <laughs> And then okay, now I'm all for pairwise. Just there we go. There, uh, there's the list. That's right. Here you go. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Just See ya. Into the, into the, into the Sunday uh, show is really boring. <laughs> Someone else said today or last night, uh, if we had an NIT in Division Three men's basketball this year, what an amazing NIT it would be. Oh my God! Yeah. Worcester, Guilford, WPI. Again, um, I. The bar yeah. got so shifted up this year. Just up. jacked up so high. And jacked up right. is right. No, it really, we would have had, yeah, fascinating development on that one. I, listen, I don't know where I stand on it. Um, I'd I, I fascinate hear what you hear on that conversation. That's for sure. Uh, there's lots of talk around it. Um, it's the budget, man. That's that's where the, this all comes down to. But the money is coming to. with the new, the new Turner deal. The money is coming. and Well, hopefully the know, new Turner deal and the new ESPN deal. Right, exactly. Good point. Uh, and Division Three could decide to change how it allocates its funding. Right? I mean, well, we famously have. only, yeah, we famously only get three point one eight percent of the budget. But do we have to? Like, it's it's like seventy five percent championships. So it's been bumped to eighty now. Uh, right. That's what Luis right. was telling us on the marathon. It's been bumped to eighty, and yeah. now everyone's okay with that. But that's because of the influx of the money. That that twenty five is at twenty is still okay. Uh, I mean, so right, the Division Three membership can always d- determine to change that allocation in the future as well. Yep, exactly. Um, we're, we don't have to spend that 3.18% the same way all the time. Absolutely. Right. Um, I would recommend to people who want to know a little bit more about uh, selections in general to listen to D3Football.com podcast 327. Yep. That is the, so in that one... And I'm just going to say, we talked with Michelle Morgan. She was uh, the AD at John Carroll. She used to be the co-chair of the Division Three Management Council. Yep. So she has lots of really knowledgeable opinions about how these things work and how to get things changed. 
Uh, we also talked with Brad Bankston. He's the commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. He used to be the football chair. He used to be the championships committee chair, the yep. big championships committee chair. Yep. Very knowledgeable about such things. Very good. Uh, we yeah. Have, yeah. I'm just, I'm rattling now. I'm sorry. I'm in show no, mode. Fine. Uh, we have Jim Catanzaro, who's the former uh, football committee chair, head coach at Lake Forest. And then we have Jeremy Urban, football coach at Sol- at Trinity, and uh, Shermwood, football coach at Salisbury, talking about those issues, how we fix that playoff. And then if that playoff expands, might that happen elsewhere? Um, I think, you know, these discussions are being had. Yes. Uh, and it would be yes. certainly nice to see them come to basketball, too. We could always use more teams in the basketball tournament. Say everybody at Guilford and Worcester and Rockport and – Claremont or Mud or Scripps or Colby, <laughs> possibly even Sawyer. Let's be honest. Um, by the way, uh, for those of the inside who understand what I'm about to say, D3 Ticker took notice of that podcast and gave it uh, good billing on it as well. I definitely look forward to going back and listening to that. And to that point of Brad Banks, I mean, the conversation we had a year and a half ago, well, it was less than that, but ahead of yeah. the uh, NCAA convention where all the changes were taking place. Brad's knowledgeable. The Barry's AD was terrific. Um, um, DePause. You had athletic. DePause there's, AD also, yeah, right? They yeah. have, there's some people in Division Three who are very well um, plugged in and understand the nuances. And I highly encourage anybody who is not as plugged in to get that way because I think it changes the conversation. It changes the 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 scope of things. It helps people understand things a little bit better. Um, and especially administration division three, I think you can get a whole nother understanding of what's really at, at play on the larger play than just that little focus that you think you've got. Um, I've, I've learned so much from those types of individuals and look forward to learning, uh, listening to your podcast. And I am sure we have talked about doing a D three, a D three kind of, podcast that re- revolves around that on a general scale often yeah, i would love to dive into that crossover yeah i'd love to dive a crossover absolutely but i'd love to do and do podcasts once a month as a, if it were or whatever it was where we dive into those topics because we don't have enough time on hoopsville and, and you've got to dedicate a whole show on on football to it there's a place for that and it's not for the thousands and thousands of fans but if you do want to dive in we'll have an episode on something that might interest you because there is enough of that stuff going on that I think is of is worth talking about because as you said it's going to end up driving the ship somewhere every time football is discussed at the convention every single time football is discussed at the convention about anything football has you have non-football schools who feel they have to vote in case football comes to them or they don't want it to impact something else the tentacles are mind-blowing sometimes. And I think it's a fascinating it, – one thing leads to another all the time. Can I take a very small tangent into a one, maybe one last topic or one more topic? Sure. I don't know. That was like a pregnant pause there, but I'm sure it's just the latency on the Zoom call. Um, one of the conversations that you had, primarily you but a little bit me, on Twitter also today – was with uh, Jason Pruitt, the head women's basketball yes. coach at the University of Laverne, right? We had a Where... very quick call, too. <laughs> okay, good. Excellent. I'm glad he that He wanted that, to make uh... sure the phone worked, mainly. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that that manifested into, uh, into oh, something absolutely. more. And, well, here's and the... he knows well, what we're talking saying. about. Yeah, right. So here's the thing, right? I mean, you know, someone who is in the position of being 
um, on the table or near the table or hoping for an at-large bid for the first time may not understand how this stuff works. And, you know, Dave, we have heard from so many coaches who have, you know, had an idea of how they need to schedule and then later have joined an NCAA committee and had their had the wool pulling uh, off of their eyes, right? Oh, and yeah. Get, all of a sudden realize, oh, my God, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything right here. Um, uh, I th- I can only think that, you know, regardless of how you feel about Rochester's uh, resume, right. Luke Flakertsy's been on the on the committee for a while and knows how to schedule and went out. Sarah and Sarah basically said kids. that. I know. Yes, <laughs> she absolutely did say that. Um, that, it, you know, he understands how the system works yeah. and played to it. And I don't think gamed the system, just, you know, got his team in a position where they could create the gaudiest strength of schedule you could ever see in men's basketball. Oh, and yes, let's get rid of the multiplier. You mentioned that, too, um, yeah, way, way back ago. The multiplier, it's one I want to have a conversation helps. with some people about, yeah. Multiplier doesn't help us in men's basketball. The Not numbers anymore. are quite different in women's basketball. On the men's side, it had a purpose. It's, it, I don't know if it has that purpose anymore. I don't think we're having the problem we were having when it was put in place. I think you're probably right. I don't know that it actually did what we wanted it to do math-wise, but it did probably yeah. help change people's behaviors. Yes. Regardless it, of whether the math worked yes. ever or not. Yes, that part. That part there. Yes, it was the behavioral part, more importantly yeah. in my mind. Granted, retiring yeah. helps too. I'll let that. I don't know what you're talking about, big dog. I think you're. Uh, I think you're way off the uh, way off the ranch here. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Um, no, again, I think there's fascinating conversations, and I'm going to be selfish. Donate now, and if we ever start a campaign where we say we're going to be putting this podcast together, if you want to sign up, sign up because then that will breed what we can do more of, and I think there's a place for it, and I think it's fascinating for some of us out there. I think uh, so too. It'd be a well. very like industry heavy podcast. It'd be like the trade newspaper podcast for D three, but I think there would be an audience for it. It's probably not. It may not be four figures, but it'd be you know a few hundred very important people. So if we, I would consider that successful. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and I think yeah, we'll brainstorm. Um, on that note, I think uh, I don't have anything else. I'm ready to tap out. It's later than I thought it was, but mainly. It's been a few days, um, and I know I have done some sir. of the having lifting that others have done, but I know I am taxed. Um, by the I way, hats off to Brendan Gulick, too, for his hard work sure. on the shows. He did a he did some heavy lifting there. I got a DM from one of the people who we kind of let in behind the curtain over the course of the past couple of days, and I didn't get like permission to use this person's comment, so I'll, I'll leave it vague as to who it was. But I did that earlier. You know, Go basi- ahead, sir. <laughs> who basically said, I had no idea what goes on behind the scenes uh, on, you know, to put D3 hoops out the door basically on a, on a weekend like that. And, yeah, there are so many moving parts uh, that are going on. It's like we are, you know, we're doing all these things that we did all championship weekend. And then we'll have a bunch of more stuff coming for people this week. Just know that uh, – you know, we got, you know, Dave is very much public face of Division Three basketball right now. There are a bunch of other people doing a lot of work um, also to help make this stuff happen. And we'll have people like plugging in. We'll have people plugging in scores uh, as well coming up this weekend. So it is a uh, it's an all hands on deck kind of a situation. And we have our our 
our football around the nation guy was coming in and um, yes. and you know giving us tips this week about stuff that had been released, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, again the second most wonderful time of the year. No, I agree. Yeah, second most, sir. Really? How did we downgrade that quickly? Are you that paranoid about your fan base? I just remembered that Christmas also happens at the same time. Oh, okay, so. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, thanks for the time. Uh, I don't know if you want to use that as your final word, but we always give the guests the final word, as you know. So we do. Come to D3Hoops.com and tell all your friends to come to D3Hoops.com yeah. this week. And if you're a sports information director, get your all-region nominations yes. in before we all forget. That's a great one. And by the way, the new top 25s came out, as you pointed out, on the men's side. Uh, Has the women's come out? The women's did come out. Yeah, I thought so. Um, No changes there, though. Top 25, uh, we go into the tournament with CNU with 18 number one votes, Transy with six, and Scranton with one. I'm a little surprised Smith hasn't gotten more love. Good point. There were three number one votes that switched to CNU from Transy this week. Uh, Smith, a very solid number four. Um, actually, I just don't, uh, let me switch back to the proper screen. They're 15 points ahead of Trinity of Texas. So Yeah. It's tight. By the way, f- uh, four uh, new teams in the top 25, new in the sense that they weren't there last week. On the men's side, North Park jumped in at 19, Carrollton at 21, Rowan at 22, and East Texas Baptist jumped in at 24. So Carrollton. Carlton. Did I say Carrollton, didn't I? I apologize. You did say it. That's new Carrollton, and this is old Carlton. Yep. Nope. Totally flipped on that one accidentally. But Carlton. well, it's it's not as bad as... Uh, the class of 23 to Carlton is magic. Class of 1923 won their third consecutive MIEC <laughs> title. Now the class wanna, of 2023 is going to the NSA tournament. I want to thank you for that note. That was a fun one to, to blab on the air uh, today. All right, sir. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Get some rest. Yes. Pat Coleman from D3Hoops.com. Go to D3Hoops.com. We'll have all the links. We'll have everything ready to go for the NCAA tournament. Now that we got these staggered starts, it's going to be absolutely awesome uh, there. You can get plenty of information um, to go along the way. Uh, please take advantage of D3Hoops.com. The top 25 polls are out. Macon is the number one unanimous top 25 team. Christopher Newport moved into second. Mount Union moved into third. St. Joseph's fell down to fourth. Keene State stayed at fifth. Oswego up to sixth. Swarthmore jumped to seventh. Case Western jumped to eighth. Wheaton fell to ninth. John Carroll jumped, uh, fell down two spots to tenth. Hopkins fell four to eleven. Oshkosh fell one to twelve. That's probably just a. Uh, I even had trouble with them as a voting team. Guilford stayed at thirteen, though they're not in the tournament as we have discussed. Williams fell down to fourteenth. St. Thomas fell to fifteenth. Middlebury moved up to sixteenth. Mary Harden Baylor stayed at seventeen. Wash U. Jumped up to 18th. North Park in the poll at 19. Hamden and Sydney stayed at 20. Car- Carlton into the poll at 21. Rowan in at 22. Calvin fell from 16 to 23. East Texas Baptist into the poll at 24. Pomona Pitzer fell a spot to 25th. Claremont Mud Scripps fell out. WPI fell out. Barry fell out. Trine fell out. On the women's side, the new ones were Tufts at 21. Berea at 25. Puget Sound and W&J fell out. We'll be on the air Thursday with our NCA selection show, or our, our uh, preview show. Basically, we'll get a bunch of uh, schools on the program to talk about their upcoming games in the NCA tournament. I've got an opportunity. It looks like I will be at a local site getting to work an NCA tournament game. Very excited about that. It's been a while since I've been behind the mic. For In that sense, I'll look forward to that. When we all nail it down, I will tweet that information out, but I'm looking forward to it very much so. Actually, disappointed my son. He came up. He goes, oh, is Randolph making hosting? I said, they are. 
He goes, good, can we go back? He came with me last year to the opening round. I said, nope, we can't. He goes, why? I said, because. I think now he's excited about that idea. We'll see. I'll see if I can get him in. Um, but folks, enjoy it. This is a great time of year. We can we can quibble. We can you can complain. We can be upset and we can be frustrated about a team didn't get in and a team didn't uh, get placed where they should and and whatever the case may be. And listen, on the men's side, there are some darn good teams that didn't make the NCAA tournament this year. Blame all those who who couldn't get the job done. But more importantly, this is still going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy it and uh, make sure you stay out with d3hoops.com. Hashtag d3hoops on your social medias. Uh, stay with us at D3Hoopsville as well uh, along the way. Appreciate all of you who uh, joined us on YouTube and on Facebook live streaming. A lot of conversations there. Appreciate it. Couldn't get to all of you. I apologize for that. But I appreciate it nonetheless. And, of course, shout out to my Aunt BJ who always tunes in. We appreciate it. We now turn that into a thing where we give her a shout out when we get the opportunity. Thanks to our committee chairs, Megan Wilson and Sarah Quadraki, for joining us on the show to answer our crazy questions on our sleep-deprived minds. Thanks to Bob Quillman, Riley Zayas, Scott Peterson, and Gord, and uh, Pat Coleman for joining us as well to talk about everything that we saw today. And again, shout-out to Brendan Gulick for all the good work he did today as well. With that, we sign off. We'll see you back here Thursday to talk about the NCAA tournaments. Who's in? We know. Who's going to advance? We don't. And we'll talk all about who we think might get there. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and Sport Tours International, along with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We appreciate all their support, along with yours, who have donated to our cause. We appreciate that very much. Look forward to closing that gap to the actual goal, by hopefully by the end of the season, but maybe by the end of the week coming up. Thanks. Take care. We'll talk soon.